We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe is, well, he's out. He's uh, he's still reeling from missing the Medea show last week, so he's currently watching all of the Medea films in succession to like make up for lost time and presumably have a great report for us when we get back to things when he's you know back next week. But Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly, cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 354, 354. Wow. I know. Yikes. And this week we're talking Captain Marvel, the first solo female-led Marvel Studios film, not to be confused with the first solo female Marvel film, which of course be the much-loved Elektra, but yes, for the MCU, <laughs> Captain Marvel, there you go. Uh, joining us to discuss Captain Marvel this week, we have, from a remote part of Planet C-53, sporting a Sublime for Life t-shirt, it's Alan Aguilera. How dare you? Hi, everybody. How are you doing? Also joining us from the H- <laughs> from the HHWLED Podcast Network, the Nothing's On Podcast, and Old Magic Gaming, one of the original accusers, it's Jim Dietz. Shazam! Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> I got my Captain Marvels confused. Please forgive me. All right, well, how are you guys doing this evening? I mean, I'm a little hurt and offended about the Sublime joke, but no, I'm fine. Anyway. <laughs> I'm glad that I, you know, I'm it's fine. Thanks. I appreciate it. Now I know where I stand. That's it. Now I know. So you're doing well, then? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Jim, how are you doing? <laughs> Great, man. Good. No, good to have you guys over here. Good to have you on the show proper, Jim. I know we get you on plenty of the commentary tracks, but always good to have you on the, uh, the, uh, the regular episodes as well. Well, thank you. I feel like I'm... I'm been called into the big leagues. Yeah. Well, well, good because yeah, that's what we're gonna do this evening. I um, we're still kind of, we'll we'll see what happens if we get a third guest on here. But for the time being, it's the three of us, and I think we'll be doing uh doing things right. Uh, let's get to it. Let's do some show notes real quick. First up, uh, new commentary track. It is March, uh, which means we are going to deliver a new commentary track, and we have decided we're going to talk the Matrix. Uh, for this month, uh, the 20th anniversary of The Matrix. Uh, that should arrive sometime before the month's over. Uh, but those are always out of fun and fun to record, and that should be a fun one to do. Funny enough, we've already done The Matrix Revolutions in the past. It's funny how we like we do a lot of, like we've done most of the Batman films, but we've done none of these like things in order. It's rather we actually do the commentary tracks for film series in order. Um, but regardless, yeah, Matrix is next. That should be fun. But can you really tell someone what The Matrix is? No, we're just going to talk about how The Matrix is. <laughs> but yeah. That's coming soon enough. That should be on iTunes. And speaking of which, iTunes reads ratings. Good to get those. It helps out our show. Helps other people. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now Theron and Aves, you can do just that. You can find our show. You can give us a rating interview. That'd be great. So thank you in advance. What else? I think that's it as far as announcements and show notes stuff. We should probably do a contest at some point. I'm, I'm getting a the, the stack of Blu-rays I have to give away is uh, growing. So I should really get things off of my floor. Um, but. Regardless, let's do some know everybody. Reach out to each other a request or two. Try to set the tone for the podcast. I better get to know, know everybody. everybody. Thank I know you. my cues. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, I, Jim, I have a question for both of you. Sure. What were some definitive 90s video games for you guys? Oh. Um, or can you have time? Or, or, or can you have, I can never say it. The Zelda game on the 64. O- Ocarina okay. of Time. Ocarina, Ocarina of Time. Yeah, Ocarina. That just seems weird to me. Yeah, the Ocarina of Time, I feel. Didn't they come out like in 97, right? 98? It was like end of 97. Yeah, I know it's... Yeah, 90s regardless. Uh-huh. And then I would say like Super Super Mario World on the Super NES for me. Hmm. I'd, probably, oh, I'd probably go Final Fantasy VI. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Chrono Trigger. Uh, Xeno uh, Gears on the PS1. That was near the tail end of the 90s. And... Uh, 
Yeah, the, the Wizardry series before in the early part of the 90s. So. Oh, Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I know it's I one of my favorite RPGs, Skies of Arcadia, came out in 1999 with the Dreamcast launch. So, I guess oh. so. Nine, 98, November 98, when Ocarina of Time came out. Don't know. Still counts. Total, total classic. There you go. Um, I So, the first half of the 90s, I was on uh, I was Sega Genesis all the way. So, Streets of Rage 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, was my main game, um, but there's plenty of others. Altered, Altered Beast. Altered Beast, yeah. exactly. Altered Beast. Altered Beast. And the Sonic, right. Sonic the Hedgehogs. And so- you know, I don't think I actually ever had Sonic or Sonic 2. I had Sonic, then it, like, broke. I never had Sonic 2, but then Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles, I had those, and I played those for days. Like, that was, that's where I had it. Didn't have an SNES. I've certainly played it at the time. Like, I was at the Genesis. 96 and be- 95, 96 and beyond, though, that's when I had the N64. So, yes, like, Zelda was big, but Goldeneye, that was my game. Uh, Goldeneye and, and you know Mario Kart also, but uh, and I still have like most of my N64 games, but uh, yeah, so that was that was that's where I was riding. Um, I played Metal Gear Solid. My uncle had a PlayStation One, um, and I played. I beat all of Metal Gear Solid. It was really good because it was great. And then I got it again when PS2 came out. But that's a different decade. That's for a different film. When we get a Marvel film that uses 2000s nostalgia uh, <laughs> for the time being. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I was at. Um, all right. With all that in mind, that's how you play. No, everybody. No, everybody. <laughs> Use your long lead in, Jim. He'll, you, yeah. I like Thank the you. I like the rushed ins though. I like always abuse me every time. No, everybody. I appreciate yeah. the long lead in. No problem. Let's no. move on now. Let's get to some out now quickies. Tim. Thank you. Each one out now. We won't be the talk. cookies. Tim. What? Did I stumble into an auction? What happened? Just well, go with it. You stumbled into this question, Jim. Okay, what, I'm rolling what, with it. What other movies have you seen this week? Uh, I saw The Man Who Killed Hitler and Bigfoot, and then Bigfoot, with Sam Elliott. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not a great film, but it was definitely watchable. I'm a big Sam Elliott fan, so I enjoyed that. I how watched. Is, how is his mustache in this movie? It is the mustachiest mustache that you could possibly ask for. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm sure he had like mustache wranglers on set to keep it you know, fluffy and, and mustachy. Um, I also watched, I just watched Batman, Mas- Batman Mask of the Phantasm earlier today. So A Batman classic. Yeah, uh, it's, it's my favorite It's my favorite Batman movie, the more I think about it. I was about to ask you, where do you place it among Batman cinematic features? You put it at the top? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, d- don't get me wrong, The Dark Knight is a great movie. I was about obviously. to say, throw, throw me a top three. Let me, let me hear the Jim Deeds top three Batman films. I'd go Mask of the Phantasm and then uh, Dark Knight... And then probably the uh, the Burton, the, uh, the second Burton, Batman Returns. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. I'm trying to, trying to think. <laughs> now that I've asked this question, I'm like, what would I put at the top here? Probably Dark Knight Returns and Phantasm will be up there. I really like Batman Begins a lot. I've watched it. like. Yeah, oh, I, I, yeah, I like it too. But I mean, it's a solid flick. Yeah. You're Alan, right. Alan, like, you, got yeah. a, you got, a, got a top three Batman? Oh, probably Night Returns. And it's either the first Burton Batman or Batman Begins. I love the first. I love the first Burton Batman. I think it's really good. I find it very right. amusing. We really ride for Batman Returns, apparently, though. By the way. <laughs> oh man, Batman Returns is a solid flick. No, oh, it is definitely. It is, so. and it's like and we've talked. We we have a commentary for it, but like we've talked before, yeah. where it's like I think it's it's not a great like Batman as a character film, but it's a great Tim Burton movie. Like that's kind yes. of how I regard yeah. it. But, that, but as I look yeah. at it more and more. Despite things that go against the grain as far as Batman goes, 
to some degree. There's a lot of what he's drawing from that you can find in like 40s Batman comics and some mm-hmm. 70s stuff. Like there's there's stuff there. It's it's just that like you know Batman's throwing bombs at people at that point. <laughs> like really really going to town on the murdering stuff. But you know besides that, like there's plenty it's, to plenty you to get to watch usually. Danny DeVito eat a raw fish. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the good or any that he has nose. That was a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you watch the movie and it's also great. Yes, <laughs> correct. I see what you did there, Alan. Every time, seen, yeah. Sorry. Have you seen any other movies this week? <laughs> uh, I've rewatched a few things. I ended up at work. We end up playing a lot of movies in the background. I just get lost in it, or I get there early and I finish up. So I watched Moneyball recently again, and I love that movie. You work at a Chuck E. Cheese, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct, <laughs> correct. And then <laughs> we watched the Ready Crashers. <laughs> uh, and then I rewatched. Uh, we put on Ready Crashers and. Yeah, there's some problems. It's problematic. You couldn't make it today, but Vince Vaughn's very, very funny in that movie. Um, and I'm, oh, I finally watched Midnight Run. I've never seen that movie. Oh, that movie's great. To, oh, I wanted really? to fill out. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to fill out my Robert De Niro. Um, it was kind of slow going once it kind of under, like because it's so different than a lot of contemporary movies. A lot of movies like even like I don't know. It was gonna. It took me a minute to kind of understand like the breast vibe, and then once I got it, I was in it. I was in it for the rest of the night. And um, it's one of the one of my favorite De Niro performances, and I think it's great. I think it was really good. I was really happy with it. Oh yeah, I'm a big fan yeah. of Midnight Run. That's yeah, like, and yeah. Him and, and Charles Grodin too. They're, like that's a great yeah. character actor cast. You have what else? You have yeah. you, you have um, what's it? Uh, Dennis Farina. Uh, oh yeah, Joe Pants. Um, Joey Pants. Philip Baker Hall. Like <laughs> um, what's the name yeah. from, uh, from from Beverly Hills Cop? The uh, not Judge Reinhold. The other um, yeah, he John plays Aston. Merv. He, yeah, John Aston plays yeah. Merv. You had um. Alfonso uh, Mosley. Uh, it's Yafet. Oh, Yafet Koto. Yeah, of course. Really. Yeah, Koto. Yeah. great in it. Yeah. Yeah, it was good times. I was, I was, I was, a, I was having a blast with it. I was, I was a big fan. There's a bit in there that make, that's where it seems like Robert De Niro wants the audience to know that there's comedy. And so, like, there's the, like, running joke of, like, involving sunglasses with Yafet Koto's character. Yes. Like, he keeps, like, to, he, like, keeps pretending that he, is he FBI, right? Is he FBI in that movie? Yeah, he's FBI. He's he trying to pretend that he's Yafet Koto's character, and so they, like, have this joke about him, like, taking sunglasses or whatnot. And at one point, Charles Grodin's character asks him, like, what'd you do that for? And it seems like it's, like, a, a weird ad lib by Daniel. like, it's a private joke between me and Mosley. It's like, you need to announce that? Like, that's such a weird, like, screenplay yeah, choice. Yeah, we get it. We get <laughs> we, it. We yeah. understand this. Like, you needed to have a stop in the middle of the movie. To be like, hey, yeah. it's a private joke between us. <laughs> like, okay. Just in case we couldn't figure that out. <laughs> yeah. That's it. No, the movie is fantastic. I love my Midnight yeah. Run. I think it's a great movie. Yeah, I was like, oh, yes, yeah, so it was always out of my, it came out, like, almost at the right time of, I was too young when it came out to really understand what it was. Mm-hmm. And then when I got a little bit older to go back, it wasn't on my radar at all. And then I just finally went back and was like, oh, I enjoy this. This is a good piece of work. Yeah, good movie. Yeah. Um, That's about it, man. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've been working a lot. It's my turn. I yeah. um, saw... No, we can move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you, you have any more thoughts on Wedding Crashers you want to get? How, how's, how's Bradley Cooper <laughs> no, in it no, nowadays? Yeah. Uh, is it fun to watch Bradley Cooper he... in the role of the sack when you see him like as uh, Jackson Maine now? Oh man, he was such a good piece of shit. It was great. I was like, oh man. I well, he plays that character good. fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's almost like I don't even think he's playing it. It's just like, oh, this is this is how he is as a person. That's cool. Is that believable? Let's see. That's how good he is. But yeah, no, it's fine. We can go on. 
Aaron, what have you been watching lately? What, what's, what's, what's on your mind? Tell me. Uh, Anna and I watched a documentary last night, an HBO Films documentary called United Skates, um, which is about the last roller skate, skating rinks in America and how times have changed and they're often closing down. But it highlights specifically the fact that um, the like black communities are you know very much involved in with roller skating rinks. Like that's a huge part of, for the black community, and it just goes over various tales in different parts of the country about and can you know gives you kind of focus on different families and different people um that like love to skate love to do this thing and have to deal with the fact that they're being closed down um, that it's it, yeah. it's a problem for communities it, it specifically they highlight la and how you know that we, there's there were a couple roller skating rinks one in like during the 90s you had one in, like the blood territory one in the crips territory and it became like once one closed down in one territory you had both gangs going to one roller skating rink and the thing is, it became neutral ground. It's the kind of thing that people were still able to kind of come together and look past whatever differences were going on involving like gang relations. Uh, but regardless, it's just it's a really well done doc as far as seeing the styles that people have of roller skating, like how they, you know, how much skill they have and what different like types of ways there are to do it. You see the differences between like Chicago uh, and, and L.A. and New York, and like they they show you like the the kind of moves they do. I don't roller skate. I can I can stand up and move around on roller skates, but I don't do dances in the way that people you know can dance on skates. And so it was like it was very impressive to see not just the fact that like there's people that can do these tricks, but that there's like a whole nation full of a, a wide variety of different kind of roller skating skills. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't I don't mean to play the age card, but you know, as a kid growing up in the '80s, that was like the big social center. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the arcade and there was the uh, skating rink. And there, were, you know, there were the two places we would hang out as teenagers, you know. For sure. And yeah, the the doc does a good job of kind of giving you a, not a full on history of like roller skating and whatnot, but it gives you an idea of like what this kind of means to people and and how, again, how specifically how black communities became like a certainly ingratiated with it and the things that happened once like segregation ended to kind of still kind of hold that up in a way, which is a little disturbing, but at the same time, it's like, well, it did lead to certain other things taking place. But regardless, it's called United Skates. It's really good. It's 90 minutes. Not hard to watch. Uh, it's on HBO. Um, yeah. Uh, Anna and I, we all, my lovely girlfriend and I, we also just saw Wonder Park today, the upcoming animated film. Uh, we are at the... the oh, how's, how's Johnny Knoxville in that? <laughs> That's that's the other amusement park movie that we all went and saw became a huge box office success last summer. Uh, but uh, this is Wonder Park, the animated film, also from Paramount. They had two different amusement park movies come out within a year. That's kind of funny now that I think about it. <laughs> but, um, and it it is fun. Um, I have some issues that are too spoilery to get into, but for the most part, it's a fast paced, imaginative, like fun movie. Uh, you got this little little girl who. Imagine like a whole amusement park with her mom, and then it basically eventually comes to life in its own way, and she helps kind of save it. And uh, I think it has some fun ideas. The voice cast is fun. You have a few people in there like uh, what John Oliver, uh, Mila Kunis, and uh, Keenan Thompson, among others. Like it's uh, it's fun. I enjoyed it. So, yeah, cool. yeah. That's what I've been watching. Um, nice. Yeah. So that was our quickies. Tim. Let's move on now. Let's get to our one of the. Let's get to a trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week. What we thought of it, what is coming out, what have you. And uh, this week we're talking Shaft, the new Shaft, which I think was. Yes, right. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was originally called Son of Shaft, but they just kind of simpled it down to Shaft, which is once again 
not a remake necessarily, but a continuation where the you know you have the seventy shaft with uh, <clears throat> with um, Richard Roundtree. With Richard Roundtree, then you had two thousand shaft two thousand with Sam Jackson, which was still like a sequel because like Richard Roundtree was in it as Shaft and he was his nephew. Now you have this Shaft, where I guess it's um it's it's a uh, Jesse Usher, Jesse T Usher as like the estranged son of Shaft. <laughs> so, yeah, he plays he plays John Shaft Jr. Yeah, so you have like three different Shafts here, but yeah, you have a new Shaft. With all this out of the way, uh, actually, actually that's it. It's directed by Tim Story, who's done. A variety of varying qualities <laughs> films. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. that's putting it kindly. Yeah, he um, did a really good trailer for Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yep, the, the trailer. The trailer that for was Rise a of good Silver. trailer. That was a good trailer. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the film either, but we'll get to that. And the, you have writers Kenya Barris and Alex Barno, uh, known for Blackish among other things. But with all with all that said, Jim, where are you on the Shaft trailer? I don't know. It seemed it seemed like I could see the formula in the uh, in the trailer. You know what I mean? Like the the son who is um, not quite as cool as the dad trying to follow in his footsteps. And uh, I don't know. I mean, Tim Story's capable of putting out a good movie when he wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Shaft 2000 was just okay. I didn't see it in the theater. I ended up seeing it on uh, video on demand or sort of streaming or something. Um, but I mean, I thought it was an okay trailer. It, it didn't uh, didn't blow me away, but it wasn't offensive. Either. It was just kind of middling. Alan, how about, yeah. Alan, how about you? Um, why? That's I just don't I don't I didn't know anybody was climbing for this. I hope it's good. I hope that it's exciting. But also like I'm glad that Richard Roundtree is getting a check. I'm always yeah, about that. yeah. Like yeah, give him money. He deserves it. Absolutely. Um, I like, like how much they want to emphasize how old Richard Roundtree is, even though he's not much older than Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> like it's only like seven years thing. or something like that. <laughs> Here's my thing. I am pretending in my head that John T. Usher is Richard Roundtree's illegitimate son and not. Sam Jackson, so then they're brothers. Boom. Because um, be, that's a twist. I'd be into that. And I would believe that both of those men have illegitimate children, so I'm here for it. Because Shaft don't care. It's fine. It was fine. I saw it. I was like, this seems like a family comedy and very much not what the original Shaft was. Yeah. Which I don't know how I feel about it. Oh, like, by the way, Richard Roundtree is only six years older than Samuel L. Yeah, Jackson. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not <laughs> I just looked it up. I had to look it up. That's which make, which at least he's like his uncle and not his father. Like they, they at least like they went for that. <laughs> I think people forget what the original Shaft was. You know, as far as the movie, um, there's more of a mystique around the name and the concept, I think, than the actual original film. Well, for sure, it also stood for something as far as giving you a, yeah. a you know a black lead and a you know in a in a in a, a detective story for you know a change of pace it was in the you know part of the black exploitation period obviously but it gave you yeah. like a a positive figure trying to solve a crime and yes it was built around his personality and what have you uh, yeah not... he wasn't he wasn't dolomite he was shaft there was a, right. a little bit of a difference yeah he, he or, wasn't or even, superfly yeah, i was going to say even superfly yeah. who was a pimp it's like that's not you know a role model necessarily <laughs> like shaft is like he's a person trying to do good for his neighborhood um, and he happens I to love be loving the ladies. That's great, and that's fine. Hanging with Isaac Hayes. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I will say, um, I thought the tra- I did not like this trailer. I was I was disappointed um, that this new Shaft doesn't like you're very much saying doesn't really have anything to do with what Shaft began as. I can understand the logic of we've already gotten lots of you know Shaft movies in the past, and, and even I believe there was like a brief Shaft TV show. So it's like, how do we do this new? At the same time, I don't really think we need to necessarily do it new. I think just giving you the general concept of a confident black man being a private detective, 
that's that seems like a good enough model for you know a, a standard action movie you know a crime action movie um and this one seems like it's going in this like what if he's like inept like what what if he's not as cool as his uncle and his father or his great great uncle i guess and it's like all right like whatever i i feel like i feel like i I saw the trailer before i noticed i remembered that it was tim story too it's like oh that makes sense like it's a tim story movie like if it was i don't know not tim story (laughs) like I, i think i'd be a little bit more you know excited about this um, but at the same time, Kenya Barris is writing it, um, which gives me some confidence that maybe we can pull something like interesting out of like the time that this movie's set in and having the other Shaft characters. Um, I I do like the 2000 Shaft quite a bit, not necessarily because of Jackson, but Jackson's always like fun, but because Jeffrey Wright and Christian Bale are giving Eat like they're, they're giving they like amazing villain performances in that movie and like a movie that's otherwise pretty like nothing. It's like why are these these two guys are so good in this movie? Yeah, right in particular. Like I just want I rewatched it again not too long ago because I'm like why not? Like it's it's not long. I could do other things in the background, but like Jeffrey Wright's like killing it this whole movie. It's like, "Oh boy." Like, yeah, that's that's what you got. When when he goes up to him and talking crap to uh, Shaft mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Wright like pulls up his shirt and is like, "This is Egyptian golden motherfucker." <laughs> I fell in love with him. I was like, I don't know who this actor is, but I'm buying season tickets for him. Because so. yeah, that was like a breakout from, role for him. That was like, yeah, he, was, he wasn't doing he was. much until that point. I had point. no idea who he was. And then he came out, I was like, all right. And I had a general idea of who Christian Bale was. I was like, oh, this is the guy in the weird movie. And then I was like, oh, I'm all about all of it. Yeah. No, I like the 2000 chap. I think that the new one looks like a uh, bad SNL skit. Yeah, so. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. Well, whatever. We'll see. I'll probably end up watching it because I'm a sucker, but whatever. He's he's a, he'll, he'll probably be on this episode. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a streetwise detective. His son's a security expert with a degree from MIT. Can they learn from each other? You know, it just seems it, it seems very no. formulaic. Yeah, the answer is probably probably not. Yeah, but I totally agree with your sentiment. Learning anything. Yeah, I totally agree with your sentiment about giving Richard Roundtree all the money. Give so. him money. Just give, him yes. money, give him points on the back end too. I guess Whatever. I just I yeah. just hope there's something this movie has to say because I feel like this is a character that could you know the Shaft character in general could work in a modern time as far as where things are now versus where they were in the 70s, and while this book's you know very bent towards action comedy, I, I'd like to hope that there's still something they're trying to say with this beyond just making it a summer action comedy. But because uh, even like the 2001, it's like it is a summer action movie with some humor in it. But it actually it's like telling a story of like a white guy getting off for murdering a black man in public. And like the the the, the, the grisly details that go with the, the the justice system in that regard, along with like there's like this whole gang thing with Jeffrey Wright's characters. It's like that movie that movie works today. Like it still it still makes sense. So it's like I, I want this to do something else beyond just being like, well, what if it was just funnier? <laughs> Yeah. Well, the, okay. What's the over under you think on like Twitter jokes? Like that Sam Jackson's like Twitter. What's Twitter? Oh, like, like if he's just feeling like old man type of yeah, yeah. I have a feeling it's gonna go that way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I don't like that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Like if 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 he's as cool as he is, Shaft should already be verified on their movie universe Twitter. Like, of course, I want. I had the blue check mark done. But whatever. Well, that would be I'm not writing the movie. Yeah. That <laughs> would be funny if you already knew. But you know, what do I know? <laughs> Well, we'll find out soon anyway, enough. Yes. Uh, Shaft arrives in theaters June 14th. So, there you go. All right. Let's uh let's move on now. Let's get to our let's get to our main review for Captain Marvel. Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you with no memory 
We made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger, superior. You were reborn. I keep having these memories. Something in my past is the key to all of this. You know how to fly this thing? We'll see. That's a yes or no question. Yes. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Captain Marvel. Coming in like the calm before the storm, a hint at the end of Avengers Infinity War has now led to a full-on origin story for Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel. Brie Larson stars as a former Air Force pilot with a shattered memory that becomes part of the mystery throughout this MCU flick concerning where she comes from and what it is what it is that the shape-shifting scrolls want with her. A mission gone wrong sends Carol down to Earth, where she eventually teams up with Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury to learn more about what's really going on. Joining us now to uh, help review Captain Marvel with us, we have from... <laughs> from L.A., either a scroll in disguise or he really does own multiple copies of every 90s Polly Shore flick. It's Peter Paris. I own every copy of uh, Polly Shore flicks. Uh, <laughs> hey, what's up? What's up, guys? Yeah, well, Peter, glad to have you Hello. here with us. Hey. Uh, thanks for thanks for jumping on. Let's start. Let's start with you. What are what what you what you think of uh of Ca- of Captain Marvel? Uh, I enjoyed it. I it it is hard not. To, I don't know about you guys, but it's been as I've been thinking about it in this past week. It's hard for me not to kind of compare it to Wonder Woman, which yes. is like DCU and it's a totally different thing. And like I think for me, it's because the thing. Wait, overall, um, in the MCU universe, uh, I liked Captain Marvel. I think it's one of the stronger. I guess what we would say is like origin stories. Like my my personal favorite Marvel movies are the the mashups, like Avengers, Civil War. Like those are my favorites. Abner Costello, me, Iron Man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> but but I gotta say, I mean, as far as like an origin, comparing this to like Captain America, Thor, Doctor Strange, I'm trying Ant Man. Like yeah, I thought this is a pretty good, like pretty good one. Uh, it's only when I'm comparing it in that kind of, I guess, more of like a a female superhero thing going against Wonder Woman, where I'm like, eh, I'm like, I think Wonder Woman has a lot of strengths that I don't think Captain Marvel have. However, I will say, and I don't know how much we're going to spoilers, I do think that Captain Marvel has a stronger last act than I think. Oh. Than I think Wonder Woman does. We can we can reference that. Well, yeah, we won't go full spoilers on here unless well, unless the conversation really takes us that far because we have to get into right, the debate. But, <laughs> but overall, but overall, yeah, 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 I liked it. I'm I'm glad it did well at the box office, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm overall positive. I don't I have issues, but yeah, yeah, and we'll, and we'll go into that. But yeah, yeah, overall, good. I will note, speaking of box office, that Captain Marvel did open to $153 million this weekend, which is uh, pretty high. Um, Wonder just, Woman was 100? Sixth biggest of all time. Wonder, Wonder Woman was 100 in the summer. This is March. It's a little bit behind Batman v Superman, and as far as MCU goes, it's behind um, Black Panther, which was 202 <laughs> last, cool. uh, yeah. last that's year. Such, that's um, ridiculous. Good for that. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty strong opening. Uh, but with all that said, uh, Jim... Uh, I I'm aware that uh, your daughter has been looking very much toward to uh, of Cap to, to Captain Marvel. 
uh, I, I want to know what, what, what did, as a, as a young viewer of the MCU, what did she think of the film? What, and what were your thoughts? She loved it. Uh, she quite literally stumbled upon the character like last fall reading some of my comics. And uh, her, her exact words were, uh, she's really awesome and she kind of looks like me. Because my daughter is blonde, has short hair like that, and blue eyes. She dressed as Carol Danvers for Halloween last year and has been pretty much, she has a calendar in her room. The only two movies that are marked on there for this year are this and Detective Pikachu, because uh, she's a big Pokemon fan as well. Uh, but we took her uh, as part of her birthday celebration this weekend. Uh, she was literally clapping and cheering and uh, and just was incredibly into it. And I, you know, for whoever's listening who has, who has you know, smaller children, for, uh, you know, that age of a child to be enwrapped in a movie for that long without, you know, squirming, looking around, you know, causing problems or whatever, that says something. And um, her exact words were that she gave it a 9.9 out of 10. Uh, the only thing that bothered her were the glowing eyes. Okay. Uh, that's her her particular peccadillo. Now her brother, who's five, also really enjoyed it a lot. He gave it a ten out of ten. He thought it was great. And um, I, I, you know, I don't want to go off on too much of a, a tangent here with all the, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes stuff that what happened with this movie or whatever. But to see a hero that my daughter can really invest herself in, who, uh, you know, who has her own movie, who is this powerful woman who, and the whole, the whole theme of the movie about her, you know, being able to get back up after adversity and things like that. I mean, I really, you know, as a dad, really made me proud of her for being that enthralled with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand. Um, I just, I think that representation is super important. Um, as far as the MCU movies, though, uh, you know, just to, on my own personal level, I thought they took a really, a character with a really twisted and, and convoluted continuity and really, in a lot of smart ways, changed it up and, and pared it down, um, which was an, an amazing feat for me, you know, about this movie. Uh, I liked, you know, I liked the, uh, the, 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 uh, chemistry between, uh, Brie Larson and, and Samuel L. Jackson, kind of the, you know, the buddy cop thing going on there. And I, I definitely put it in the higher tier of the, the MCU origin movies. Uh, I re I really enjoyed it too. So. All right. Alan, I, uh, how familiar are you with, uh, with Captain Marvel if, from a comic perspective? And what do you think of the film? Uh, very. I was a big fan of the Brian Reed run. I think it was in the middle two thousands. Um, I liked that a lot. I've been kind of behind Captain Marvel. I even remember, like growing up, I had that '80s Avengers West Coast Avengers team with like she was a she was black at the time, I believe. Am I wrong? Or am I correct? I believe I'm correct. No, you're right. There's uh, a Monica yeah. Rambeau who's a little girl. In yes. yes, yeah, yes, 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 yes. So that's what I was. I, I remember reading that. That's my first introduction to her as that, and I was kind of been following her ever since I was a kid. So I'm, I'm familiar with the idea of Marvel. Captain you, Marvel. You think Creed, the act? You think girls. the actress that plays uh, Monica Rambo, the the young girl, um, you, you think she has like a six movie contract to become Captain Marvel at some point? I think everybody has a six movie contract in every Marvel movie. Okay. I, I just just be played safe. Um, so I'm pretty familiar with the character. Um, uh, Jim's right. It's convoluted. It's crazy. But um, let me let me state let me state this before I get into my feelings of the film. I love that they finally made a movie for little girls and representation for you know them to get into because that's that, that's really what this movie's for it's for ladies it's for women and it's for men to kind of understand you know see some of the shit that women have put up with and the cockpit there's a cockpit line in the middle of it that i thought was offensive but i was i i understood like i loved it i i thought that was great um i did not like it i 
didn't particularly care for Brie Larson as um, Carol Danvers. I didn't really find her believable in her spunk. I th- I wasn't buying it. I'm a fan of her. Short Term 12, The Room. I think she's great. I didn't buy her in it, and I didn't really feel like she really brought her A-game. I think she just kind of phoned it in. So I had an issue with that. I feel like Annette Benning was a great addition. I was pumped. I feel like she phoned her stuff in. Um, I think Sam Jackson was great. I think Rambo, um, I think the her Brie Larson's best friend, Cara Danvers' best friend, I forgot her name in it. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. I was into that. Uh, I believe it's Gemma Chang. Is it Gemma Chang or I have pronunciation? Um, yeah, one of the member of her, basically her SEAL team strike first. She's wonderful. The Cree crew? Uh, I call it the Cree crew. The Cree, the Cree crew was great. <laughs> All of that was great. Ben Mendelsohn steals this movie. It's He is such a good foil and he is so good in this. But there are certain things that I did not like in the film. I thought it was more of a... I think some of the directorial choices in the film really kind of hurt it. Mostly the music cues. It, it reminded me a lot of a su- Suicide Squad in a negative way. So in Suicide Squad, they were trying to fill up as many soundtrack cues to familiar popular songs as possible. In this, I am getting blasted in my face with... 90s music cues you got 90s t-shirts you got 90s posters to remind everybody hey this is the 90s guys look at blockbuster remember that that's the 90s look at this infinite infinite sadness poster look at that that was from the 90s hey there's rock the vote that's from the 90s wearing nine snail shirt that's from the 90s look at this street fighter 2 arcade you getting this this is the 90s you guys like this remember this this is cool and i felt like that was a lot of pandering i felt like it was non-stop pandering and then there's a climactic scene later that is played to such an on-the-nose song that it lost me. I couldn't do it. And then there was another moment with a Nirvana song that was just ridiculous. Like, I think if they toned down a little bit of the pandering for the 90s, it could have been... Uh, to me, it felt like they were like, okay, look, we're going to do a, an all, a female-led film. That's great. But you know what? Let's kind of make it really pandering to the 90s crowd so people can kind of, you know... So it's like a gimmick. So it's not completely focused on this. I felt like they were trying to add a gimmick to this to kind of hedge their bets with it. And I feel like after 20-some movies, uh, they should have figured it out. And I think this is on par. It's better than Thor Dark World. It's better than, you know, Iron Man 2 and 3. But I don't think it's in the upper echelon at all because I was not buying most of it. I just felt like it was a cut and paste, let's go. we got to get this out before Infinity War as quick as possible. And I feel like all the attention to detail and all the love and care that went to Black Panther did not go into this. And this, to me, could have been just as important as Black Panther for them. And I feel like it was not a good enough job for a studio that makes that much money to make a movie that felt this rushed and this half-assed to me, to me. But, you know, I'm glad that everyone's daughters and wives and sisters and everybody goes to see it. I was a big defender of Ghostbusters when it came out. It's it's just kind of weird for me to criticize it without sounding like an asshole. I just didn't like the movie and I have legitimate issues with it. But I don't know how to say that in this climate without sounding like like a jerk. You know what I mean? Well, you you like, take you you take this podcast that you know sits yeah. somewhere in the top ten thousand podcasts, and um, yeah. you know yeah. well, you, run with, you run with that way. I'm not going to say. No, I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, uh, it's like you know, if you if you had legitimate issues with the movie, that's cool. Yeah, I, I totally get it. And I get also I get your point of like you know, you know how do you how do you go about criticizing it without sounding like you're being dismissive or 
yeah, uh, of what it represents. I, mean, that, you know? that, I totally that, get it. Yeah. That, that yeah. comes down to how other people choose to interpret what you're saying, and there shouldn't be much of interpretation. You're saying things pretty straightforward so you can understand what you're saying, uh, but in terms of what people choose to listen to and where we are right now, there's a lot of... Un- there's, there's a lot of while people can be in the right as far as what they're saying, what you're trying to say, as far as how you're evaluating something, there's a choice of like, well, I'm choosing to see you as just this person that's choosing not to like it because of this thing. Um, at the same time, that's a lesser problem than the people that are choosing to oh, yeah. <laughs> destroy this movie or Black Panther or many other movies that star people of color or females um, just because of those things <laughs> I can't which is ridiculous else. that's um, such a waste of time to me and obviously that's it. not what we're coming at right here i don't need to i don't need to re-go over things that are you know going on outside everybody can read any other article about yeah. people review bombing rotten tomatoes and metacritic and imdb or what have you but that's i don't know how much conversation we need to get out of that right now what we can yeah, do is I, talk about I, the movie i don't need to talk about it i just yeah. want to like basically i'm curious because i want to talk to other people that liked it Mm-hmm. But I also want to be like, yo, someone tell me I'm wrong. I well, wanted to like this. Well, you know. So here, where I stand is kind of in between you guys. Where yeah. I, I, I think I appreciate a lot of what's going on a little more than Alan does, but I don't put it on the top tier of Marvel films or even origin films. I put it somewhere around Doctor Strange, which I think is a fine film, but certainly not in the kind of upper echelon for me. It's certainly entertaining, and I'm one that's. I, I like all of the Marvel films, uh, the MCU movies. I, I like them to varying degrees, but there's none, there's none that I actively dislike. Even if I put Incredible Hulk on the bottom, I still find some kind of joy out of that movie. Um, with this movie, it does. there's like a big standard kind of feel to this whole enterprise for me. It, it feels like the way everything's handled, there's effort being put into a degree. Um, obviously, because there's you know thousands of people working on these movies to make sure that a mass audience can see them. But it, it there is kind of a ticking off boxes kind of feel to the approach to the story. I can appreciate what um, Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck are doing as directors as far as how to change up the origin stuff a bit, as far as giving you a character who literally doesn't remember things and is trying to piece together that memory. But at the same time, you can still boil it down to a character who's coming into their own with the power that they have. Which is not a bad thing. You can see, can, I can boil down many movies that are fantastic down to a couple lines, but the way it's handled for me, I never felt like there was much urgency. I felt like the, the stakes never seemed all that high. It felt like I was just watching another Marvel movie, which isn't a bad thing because Marvel movies are entertaining, but at the same time, it wasn't going to an extra level for me. I would be, I mean, obviously you and Jim and, you, and Peter, you guys have obviously, you know, a little, a little more higher thoughts on it, but I'd be, I'd be curious to hear what helps it kind of ascend to that level but as for where i sit i see a movie that does its job uh, efficiently enough i do think brie larson is fine as captain marvel i wouldn't say it's a she defines the characters because she's the only person i've seen as this character but in the same way i come out of like iron man or captain america thinking these guys are like doing their job as captain america and iron man i'm not seeing a a personality with captain marvel where it makes me think well this is clearly the you know the the defining image of a, of a captain marvel at the same time she does work like she she has fun with the for me she had fun with the film there's a there's an attitude she has about being a hero and enjoying it where like she's having fun taking down you know scroll and what have you and punching spaceships and whatnot like you get to kind of see that sense of glee if anything it's a lot like what a an ideal version of a superman movie could be as far as seeing someone that's this powerful kind of deal with these things 
and finding ways to challenge a person with that much power. I, I, I could only wish I could see a Superman film that actually do that again, because I haven't seen one of those in a while. But, I mean, the better things about this movie, I think, are the supporting cast and what you're given there, because you have a lot of Sam Jackson here as Nick Fury, which is practically an origin story for Nick Fury as well. I mean, you get mm -hmm. a lot of him, and he looks great as far as de-aging him. I don't know how much work you have to do, because Sam Jackson kind of looks he looks great he's, he's not great. he doesn't look that bad for a 70 year old man so de-aging him i don't think they had to do all that much but what they did have to do it works because it's never distracting to me i'm never thinking oh wow he really looks like an old younger it's like no he just looks like sam jackson again good job good, good job like, and i know they, yeah i know they use like the negotiator as their reference point for like his visual like representation like so i thought that was neat like that was that was their go-to movie as far as what kind of sam jackson they wanted to give you but yeah, no, I think he and Larson, they have like they have a big bulk of the middle of the movie where they're spent together in like a yeah, like a buddy cop type of thing. And I think that works a lot really well. Uh Ben Mendelssohn, I agree, is terrific in this movie. Uh I actually do think Annette Benning adds more than distracts from this movie. I I think for a character of the size of the role, I I, I think it it goes a long way to have someone like her playing this part as opposed to some one more random, I suppose. I don't know. I, I I thought she gave what was needed for what was essentially a pivotal character that has like next to nothing to really add beyond some key key things about the plot. Um, but yeah, you know, I, yeah, I think the supporting cast is, is solid. The action's pretty so-so. I I agree about the '90s stuff. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. And I I have other questions that maybe you comic guys could hand you know help me answer for me. Uh, but we'll get to that too. But for yeah, for the most part, I thought the movie. I, I thought it was. It it does a fine job of introducing this character and being a part of this universe, but as far as being a kind of standout entry, I, w I wouldn't necessarily go that far. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess we could, to begin with, we can talk about where this movie kind of stands in the in the realm of things, because, Peter, you're getting to this as well as far as how, you know, uh, how Wonder Woman operated for the DC universe, let alone being, a, you know, a, a huge blockbuster uh, film with, a you know, a lead, a lead female character. Uh, let alone Wonder Woman, one of the most important like comic book characters that's out there. Uh, do, do you and you meant you mentioned how like the you know the, this movie ends stronger than that one does, but do you think this movie has much of a? Do you think its strength relies on the fact that it is like a, a Marvel movie with a with a, soul, a female lead? Yeah, I mean, like I guess so. I I I was thinking to myself about how you, you typically conversations about Marvel in DC, and I think this is even before the movie. I think this is about the comic. And, and anybody who's a more of a comic expert than me, please chime in. But, you know, uh, DC in general, a lot of those characters almost feel like, I don't know, they feel like archetypes or gods. They don't necessarily feel relatable. And when we think of Marvel, like, that's kind of the thing. Is It's like, hey, man, Peter Parker's just like me or whatever. Like, and that... And that's the charm of, of not only like like the Marvel mission statement, but like the MCU movies. And I guess I feel like I don't know. I feel like what's interesting to me is that like I think that Carol Danvers or Veers is her name. Veers is that what I mean, her name is? Carol Danvers. I mean, what <laughs> is Veers? Veers is just the last four letters of Carol Danvers. So I mean, it was really oh, see, it's, it's pronounced Carol yeah. Dan Veers. Thank she, you very much. Yeah, she is. She is. Uh, Brie Larson is charming and entertaining the way that all of like, you know, Chris Evans and Hemsworth and all of them are. The, I guess the thing to me that I felt was lacking, again, while I still like the movie, was that I guess I felt like I didn't think the character has much of a, um, 
what would I call like an internal uh, journey. Like her external is, okay, I need to protect this thing, this light speed thing. And I guess I'm trying to piece together what who I am. But like in Wonder Woman, Diana, yes, she has to take out Hades and everything. But her her internal journey is she has a belief, a belief that like, Man is inherently good, but unfortunately there's this god Hades, and if we can just destroy Hades, everything will be fine. And by the end of the movie, she has to realize it's not that simple. That it's like, no, actually, man has a lot of problems with or without Hades, and she has to figure out... It's it's almost like she's kind of disillusioned, and it's kind of a similar thing that, like, Tony Stark go through. You know, and Tony Stark has a cockiness to him, and by the end of Iron Man, he realizes that, like, the company he he runs or whatever maybe isn't for the best and stuff. And I guess I feel like this isn't really a superhero thing, but like for a narrative in a movie, that's always more interesting because you're like, Oh, well now what are they going to do? Like what's Diana going to do? She can't. And that's why wonder woman is always a little, is always a little weak in the last act because she gets a disillusion, but then she just has to take out Hades, which is a big, CGI monster, which is always kind of lame. Um, but I don't know for, and, and again, please, if anybody can think of it, I don't really know internally what's going on with Carol Danvers. Cause I'm kind of like, all right, well, she really seems like the same person at the beginning as that she is at the end. And I guess that's to me where I feel like it's not really a great Marvel movie, but I mean, you know, like Aaron, you just said, yeah, Sam Jackson's great. The supporting cast is really good. I well, love the cat, you know, moves. All that's very entertaining. Oh yeah, we'll talk about the cat, of course, too. Yeah, the cat, uh, but uh, well, Jim, how about you? Is there? Do you see? Do you see what Peter's saying? Do you agree with what he's saying as far as Danvers as a character? I really feel like I didn't. Um, I have a couple like criticisms in the movie, but the one I had the most part was I didn't think there was enough time with her and Lashana Lynch and uh, and. Uh, is that a friend? Yeah, yes. her friend. I'll say I like I like the friend. I I liked her a lot, but I just didn't think there was enough of that. I really felt like the motion the the movie didn't really hit like an emotional beat for me until that part where she reunites with Maria uh with Maria Rambo, Maria Rambo. and do her you, daughter. Do you, do you guys think that the the way they've chosen to assemble this, where you know she's already up in space with the Kree and doing things, you think that was a detriment to a movie that could have instead introduced us to her as a you know as a young Air Force pilot or what have you? Yes, I think that if they, I don't know why they made it seem like it was a secret that she was from Earth. We like, yeah, she was from Earth. Just I don't, I, I don't know. I think they added a mystery that didn't need to be there. Like we don't have the emotional impact of her finding out that she's from Earth and this is her best friend in the way that felt emotionally heavy or that really mattered to me. So I just felt like, Oh, Hey, you're my best friend. That's cool. You want to help me do this thing? Like she didn't, she didn't seem to care or have any emotion to leaving this world behind. And then, you know, um, her friend was like, yeah, this sucks. I lost a friend. This is awful. That brings me to a thing. I just actually remembered one of my, so I was trying to think, it's like, what is it that's holding this back movie back for me? And part of it was, there's a point where, multiple characters have to travel into space to do a thing and i'm thinking most of these characters have not been in space before so there should be a reaction to the idea of doing this thing that feels more than just hey we're we're up here now we're doing this thing it feels like you know the awe of being in space especially with you know one of the, at least one of those characters being an air force pilot you're thinking 
ideally this would be like one of the great like the greatest things i've ever seen like going into space for the first time and doing a space mission and yet the movie feels too kind of i don't know too kind of at home with itself like it feels like it's just par for the course which i feel like that that makes that makes me feel like it's lacking where compared to something like black panther where i'm going to like wakanda i felt there was like something there even the character even like um Denai Guerrero's character, when she says, like, we're back in Wakanda, it seems like she's excited to be back in Wakanda, where this movie just feels like, and you have, and this is a very cosmic-heavy film, you have, you know, the world of the Kree, you have the scrolls all over the place, they're going all over space to do stuff, there's a lot of wonder, I think, to be explored, and I just feel like the, those elements never added up to much, added much to me, as far as me thinking, well, this is, this is neat, I'm seeing new worlds or whatnot, I felt like I'm kind of just getting this stuff because I need to have this stuff for the sake of telling me this specific story, but do I care about it? I'm, I'm not so sure. I have to rely on the characters, which are, you know, mostly fun and everything, but at the same time, I feel like there could be there could be something more to go on in the same way that I've gotten more with other Marvel movies. I could see that. That didn't, that didn't bother me. Oh. Yeah? I mean, there was, there, was some, there were some lines there where, you know, she's like, uh, you know, Samuel Jackson's like, is this normal space turbulence and stuff like that? And I feel, I feel like they both, the the two people on that I, where you're talking about two two um two people who hadn't been in space before I thought there was you know there they they had like lines that referred to just what you're talking about so but I I I did like the, what they did I don't what I I can't spoil but um they took some definitely like big things from the MCU and kind of subver- subverted them in smart ways mm-hmm. uh from the Marvel from the Marvel um comic universe and I thought that was really great um something I appreciated as a comics fan, you know, uh, and didn't expect. So I don't know, maybe that was, that was a little to telegraph to other people, but it wasn't to me. I, uh, I mean, so I, I'm not as familiar. And I think Peter, you're the same. We're not as familiar with the, with Captain Marvel as a comic book character. Is that fair, Peter? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I actually, this weekend, I actually bought my first Captain Marvel trade because I, because I will say as a compliment to the movie, I was like, well, I'm kind of curious about this character, but no, 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 I had never read Captain Marvel comics before the movie. Yeah, so in saying that, I guess as far as any kind of sense of mystery or what have you, I, maybe it just comes down to I just watch a lot of movies, but it's the nature of the mystery, and even then, Alan, you're familiar with the comics or whatnot, but you're just talking about the movie in general. I, I can't say that I was very intrigued by the mystery because I'm just thinking, well, she's from Earth. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't see that as any kind of mystery we need to kind of withhold from an audience, let alone what side certain people are on which comes down to you've cast this person so they probably factor in bigger than they have so far that kind of logic yeah but that person that person you're referring to plays very much against type considering how he's been cast lately yeah yeah i uh yeah i i see that and i don't think these people do a bad job regardless let's let's talk about some of these characters a little bit without kind of going into where their story takes them you want to get personal where were you born? Huntsville, Alabama, but technically I don't remember that part. Name your first pet. Mr. Snoofers. Mr. Snoofers. That's what I said. Did I pass? Not yet. First job? Soldier. Straight out of high school. Left the ranks of full bird colonel. Then? Spy. Where? It was the Cold War. We were everywhere. Uh, Belfast, Bucharest, Belgrade, Budapest. I like the bees. I can make them ride. Now? Been riding the desk for the past six years, trying to figure out where our future enemies are coming from. Never occurred to me they would be coming from above. Name a detail so bizarre a scroll could never fabricate it. A toast is cut diagonally, I can't eat it. You didn't need that, did you? No, no, I didn't, but I enjoyed it. We've talked 
a lot about Larson already and Jackson for that matter. And I, I don't know how it's weird. Like the movie itself is trying to, has tried to hold back certain details, but I agree that Mendelssohn is great as this, this, um, this scroll character. I think the, you know, he plays a shapeshifter and I like that his scroll, his scroll form, he just uses his natural Australian accent. And then when he takes on other people, he plays up the American accent. Like that's fun. I love that one. I love it when anyone does that in any movie. You're an alien. I'm going to use my real accent. I'm here. I'm I'm, I'm from Wales. <laughs> Look at me go. It's great. I love it. I love it so much. And he, he does get to have a lot of fun with the part that he's in. Like, there's there's good stuff going on there. I mean, it's... It... it, it <sighs> we're delving into it. Yes, I, I think the... He gets a lot to do. There's a reason why he's being singled out as one of the highlights of the film. I mean, I, I think he, I, I think we're all big fans of Ben Mendelsohn, and yeah, he gets, he he gets enough to do to like leave an impression. I'm not sure if I can say the same about Jude Law, where I, I think he, he does well in this kind of mentor type role, but at the same time, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you his name if I unless I had to look it up. Like, I that's that's kind of what I kept thinking is like, what's his name again? That's Jude Law. What's what is his character? What, what do you guys think? Do you have any thoughts on Jude Law's role in this film? No, I would agree. I mean, I think Ben Mendelsohn, I thought was a great. I think he, it's it's a terrific character for him, and I was and I was I really appreciated uh, what he brought to the role. But I yeah, Jude Law. I I, I mean. I, we what uh, Jude Law was in Box Lux last year. I'm trying to think what else we've seen him in recently. I always liked Jude Law, but I would agree. Yeah, it's it's an okay role. There's not like much. Yeah, um, this might be the first time anyone has ever said this, but the casting what if for this was supposed to be Connor Reeves, I believe. And I think that would have made it a more interesting movie. Wait, Connor Reeves was supposed to be the Jude Law character. I think so. Huh. huh. I think I heard of I heard about that um, while around casting is that he was in talks, dropped out. They did Jude Law, so he was supposed to be that character. I'm trying to look it up to double check. I mean, it was on Twitter and it had to be true, but um, <laughs> I thought that would have made it a little bit more interesting. Interesting, yeah. Like, huh. I mean, honestly, just Keanu Reeves and everything would have been fine, but <laughs> yeah. What about the uh, the various members of the Cree crew with him? Yeah, you have Jaiman Hansu, uh, Gemma Chan. Uh, you have. Oh, I don't know his name is Algenis Perez Soto, who is in Sugar, one of the previous films from uh, Bowden and Fleck, and I, that's a really good movie, and he's the star of that movie. So I was like, oh, good for him! <laughs> he got to be in one of these Marvel movies. But uh, any, any thoughts? On, and I guess Lee Pace, by default, he's kind of in the background too because he's back. So is Diamond uh, too, for that matter. But uh, okay, will... yes, this just in: he dropped out to do John Wick three, and Jude Law took over that role. Wow. Oh, so, okay. Well, I'm so, not gonna... that, that would be interesting. Like... Can't wait to see John Wick three. So he made the right move. But no, um, he hundred percent did. But still. Uh, but like I, you know, I have to say, uh, I was a little disappointed that Gemma Chan's role is pretty negligible. Like, because I was like, oh, that's great, you know. But yeah, she really, her and uh, Hansu, like, they really have like nothing to do. Like, so, and they're and they're part of arguably the worst part. I mean, to me personally, I think the first like that 15 minute opening in space is like the worst part of the movie. Like it's just, it's, it's just feels so generic and everything. So yeah. It reminded me of like an intergalactic 12 strong. Yeah. Like like, performers, it's just kind of bland. It's just like, there's really nothing here. Like, you know, you're just waiting for it to get to, you're just waiting for it to get that blockbuster video thing that we had seen in the trailers. I'm just like, all right, let me get to the nineties, you know? And so, and I mean, that does take up a majority of the, how'd you guys like seeing Clark Gregg again back in a, back in a Marvel movie? 
It's to, as opposed to a TV show. But so much. Was fun. Fun. It was nice. His eyebrows were kind of weird, but it was fun. So yeah. much hair. He had so much hair. Yeah. <laughs> you honestly could have made him look the same. Like in Avengers, I would have liked that just because that'd be kind of funny. Is like everyone else is de aged except him. (laughs) It would be really funny, and we would have bought it. We went with it. That'd be plus. It's he's the only one that doesn't like look like. Especially you have Sam Jackson sitting right next to him, looking like great in the de aged. It's like he kind of sticks out as like that's not how Clark Gregg looks now. (laughs) Like it's. (laughs) Uh, Can I ask just as long as we're talking about um, some of the parts of the movie? I had heard, and maybe this is wrong, but I had heard that um, Aaron, who are the director? The directors of this did Half Nelson, right? They did Half Nelson, Sugar, uh, It's Kind of a Funny Story, Mississippi Grind. So they're kind of more indie uh, directors. Yeah, they're, they're indie filmmakers, yeah. And I, I could have swore I heard that while this movie was in production, that one of them, one or both, had said that because the movie was in the 90s, they were hoping to kind of pay homage to like their favorite like 90s action movies and they had mentioned Cameron and there's an opening there's a scene in the in the first half of the movie that takes place in Los Angeles and there's a train and there's kind of shapeshifters and it felt to me like I was like oh is this kind of like them doing an homage to the opening of Terminator 2 but it's like the action scenes are nowhere near as like I guess like thoughtful or as well executed. Did, or am I the only person who saw that? Well, like with with some exception, I don't. I don't think any of the MCU films stand out because of how great the action scenes are. I, I mean, some, Winter some, Soldier. Thank I'm you saying with much. some exception, I'd say okay. yeah. Winter, right. Winter Soldier, Civil the, War, Aven, the Avengers movies in general, like those ones. Yeah, there's there's thing, the highlights of those do kind of not highlights, but there's there are highlights that you can focus on the action with. This movie, yeah, I would, I wouldn't put Doctor Strange's one too. That one has some great. Oh yeah, Doctor no, Strange. Um, but uh, this one, yeah, I wouldn't. But I see what you're saying. And yes, I read the same thing. Where you know all these, all these later phase Marvel movies tend to have kind of inspirations they're drawing from. And I, yeah, I read that. Yeah, like um, a lot of L.A. cop movies, and even like French Connection was a part of it. Obviously, with the train stuff. Right. And um, but yeah, there there was like a a nineties action was a, movie there was a, there going for like a plane chase. In the desert, that's Con Air, obviously. I thought of Indepen- I thought of Independence Day when they're oh, in the I canyon. Did. Yes, all yeah. of it, all of it. Sorry, as far as like standing out in the same way that like Cam, like no, obviously because Cameron he can do action very well. Where you have you know the Fleck and Bowden, like they're probably not even directing most of these scenes. It's probably second unit stuff at this point because that's how most of these Marvel movies are. Like they they you know you get you get the you get these like you know these directors here to handle the actors and handle you know. The, that kind of thing where they already have like pre-vised all the other action scenes to begin with. That's right. it. With the, with that in mind, Jim, how about wait, wait, your, your thoughts on the action in this movie in general? It was fine. I enjoyed it. You know, it was, um, again, it doesn't, it didn't stand out. I mean, you have to realize that you know, those movies were like 20 years ago and that kind of action was pretty, you know, noteworthy then, but you know, we've seen a bunch, you know, a lot of movies since then, but you know, I thought the action was fine. I, Again, I really, I, I just thought the movie was good overall, and um, the action sequences. I, I like to, I, I agree with what um, uh, Peter's saying about the third act being stronger than Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, I just, I, I had no problem with the action scene. I didn't, I didn't catch the homage thing like you did, though. Um, let's, uh, let's delve into that a bit without kind of going into exactly what happens at the, the end of this movie. What, what is it that makes? What does it make that makes the end, ending register for you guys? Because clearly, I think Alan would probably disagree. Well, I mean, for me, it's because, and this again could be a comic book thing, but like in Wonder Woman one, I kind of felt like the the finale doesn't really make it doesn't 
internally makes sense. It just feels like, oh, well, now she has to take down this monster, this this god or whatever. But the but the other thing is that throughout Wonder Woman, I thought Diana is pretty powerful because I think she, I think if I'm wrong, she's like half god or something. Like she's like descendant of some gods or something. So with Captain Marvel, again, without spoiling too much, her, I mean, if it's a video game, her level of power really amps up in the last act where I was like, oh, like I did not know that because I don't really know the character. Like, so that was pretty impressive to me. And I think also because, look, let's be honest, most of us watching this are going to see Endgame. I think a part of me is like, okay, is Captain Marvel enough of a presence that when you, if she were to have to face off against Thanos, that we would be like, oh, she's a formidable, like, opponent. And yes, by the end of this, I thought, yeah, all right, she seems pretty kick-ass. I, I, get, I yeah. guess I, I mean it that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, uh, the, well, you know, since we're t- going down this road or whatever, the Wonder Woman was all about the character up until the third act where it just turned into a video game and she pretty much had to just fight this giant CG monster like we do in a lot of, uh, you know, uh, superhero movies or whatnot. And then in this third act, I really feel like it's, that was when the character really comes into her own and really, you know, kind of, you know, shows that she has this kind of grit to rise up from adversity because all of her memories have come back now. And she realized that, you know, the the human part of her was the best part of her and uh, her her determination was the best part of her. And, you know, those things are kind of corny or whatever, but considering it's a superhero movie and, uh, you know, it's kind of aimed for, you know, not, it's not strictly juvenilia, but it's, you know, aimed for that market. I had no, I had no problem with that at all, but yeah, I, I loved Wonder Woman up until about the third act when it turned into like a giant CGI, you know, but it, it, it was, it's always either a giant uh, CGI a giant or a hole in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. yeah. Right. well so. Alan, I, I mean, yeah. I guess I, to pivot to you, I, I mean, do you think that, this movie does a good job of setting you up for Endgame. I mean, okay, yeah, yes, I think they made her a formidable opponent to Thanos, but I think they have made her so formidable that they, they have to wonder any, why they need the other Avengers. Why would you ever? You just need her. Like now, she's so powerful. What? What the hell? Is, what? What is Steve Rogers going to do with his little toy shield? You know, now you have belittled. That's why I don't like Superman's always really tough. You can't make him super powerful because. If you make him super powerful, it's boring because, like, oh, he'll figure it out. The stakes aren't there. And here it's like I think Aaron was, was mentioning earlier, the stakes weren't high enough. Well, sometimes I feel like if the stakes are too high, you know they're going to win. But, like, Ant-Man, the first Ant-Man I thought was great because what was at stake was a laboratory. Right. True. So you're like, they could, they could lose this and it could be set up for the next one. And that could be fun. I could, so, I, could phrase, I could phrase my better as far as the okay. stakes in this movie. It feels like there's, it's not a lack of, of high stakes. I mean, because I've complained about that before in, mm-hmm. in, in other Marvel movies. As far as you already have so many things going on, why are you at? Like that was an that was an issue I had with like Iron Man three, for example, where it's like there's already a bunch of trouble here, and then it's like we need a here's an extra level of trouble. It's like what? Like I got I'm dealing with the trouble. Why do I need more trouble? Like what's yeah? Just too much. Just trouble city over here. I got, I, I don't they need hollow, all this. They in my hollow life. manned it. That's what. That's what it's like one thing after another. It's always Halloween. Yeah. I think it's like it's not. It's not about the the idea of like Captain Marvel needed more to like work against, and then yeah, it does that. That would ruin the kind of whether or not she could be able to accomplish this. It's more of I, I did. I don't know what's really being fought for here because 
I think the the, the the questioning the internal logic of the character, which I think is a, a very good point about about who she is, that's not hitting me hard enough for me to like really have to worry if I need to believe in whatever else is at stake, which I guess comes down to like I don't know, a, an allegory for refugees, apparently. <laughs> like it's maybe <laughs> sure, but, but you know, like I don't, I, it was by the time the third act rolled around, I already had issues with the movie. There is a fight scene with a no doubt song that irked me to no end. And then she went to go talk to the Supreme Intelligence and there's a Nirvana song playing. And that two, that, that one, two punch, I was like, Oh, this is not good. You know I was not, I did I not. not. I will say I didn't mind the Nirvana. I actually, I like the Nirvana. Yeah. Moment, I did think, so. I did think I'm just a girl was way too on the nose. I was like, Oh, I think it's, like, I mean, it's like, both of them combined that made it bad. I'm like, you can have one the, or the other. My issue with the No Doubt one is because the film, like, it does a good job just being a a movie about this person, and this person happens to be female, and that's a point where it's like, let's really put a heavy stamp on it at a point where it's not like the the drama of this movie focused on the fact that it's a, you know, a woman. It's just, this is her, this ha- this happens to be a woman. So I was mm-hmm. like, why are, why are we just now saying, like, let's put this in? Like, I get the, you know, hit the nail on the head as far as, like, see? This is what we're doing, but as far as Did like what the as far as what the like is. the movie was showing me, it's like it's not like she's been struggling because of this thing. She's been struggling for other reasons. Yeah, like yeah, I would agree. I think they were making two different movies. I, I don't. I think that they. I don't know. I think it was the thing I was trying to say earlier is that I think they had to make it a gimmick and make it a female led drama instead of it just being a female led superhero film. Wait, like, no, Wonder Woman. You know, okay. I don't know. Peter? Well, I mean, that being said, look, I will say that, I mean, it's it's already like a gif everywhere. I, I, I will say that the, the moment of seeing uh, Carol Danfers go from like, you know, it's that montage they keep saying where it's like, she's a child, she's a teenager, she's, um, what is it, she's in the Air Force, and then she's... Yeah. Where, where she's like standing up. That's a great moment. So it's That's like... Great. Yeah. That's good. I'll say those good. are those are great moments for... I think a different movie or a movie that does that more where I don't think the movie itself is really, it's not hitting those points hard enough where I like the, I like the, honestly, I like the first trailer that actually establishes that. Cause that made me think it's really going to like kind of hit that. Now I don't need a movie that's going to nail me over the head with the idea of, you know, this is what this, this is, this is what, you know, she is capable of or whatnot. But I feel like the movie, by the time it gets to those editing points, which I think are clever, cleverly done as far yeah. as like giving you different stages of a person's life and whatnot and how that she keeps standing up. But I feel like the the movie doesn't give itself enough of a chance to flesh that idea out. If you know yeah, what I, mean. I would I would agree. I would agree. And it's weird because it's funny because like going back to Wonder Woman, I mean, yes, the the I would think arguably, I mean, we could see if we all agree, but arguably the highlight of Wonder Woman is the first time she's in the outfit. And isn't she? Isn't it called No Man's Land? Oh, she's in No Man's. It's World War One. So yeah, she's in No Man's Land. Right, but it's it's a great scene. I mean, it's so like, good. Well, like, the movie's earned that moment, I would it, say. That, it that, yeah. totally earned that moment. You know, like, it, it's really like, oh, my God, this is amazing and everything. Like, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't. But again, I don't know how much of uh, the, the politics or whatever, you know, meshes with whatever the narrative of the story is, I guess we're saying. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's like, eh, it doesn't. Like the no doubt. I think we're all kind of agreeing the no doubt thing is just kind of eye rolly. Well, I think I, I guess as far as dealing with it on this level, I feel like, cause I'm not trying to compare it necessarily, but as far as 
Marvel's attempt to do something like this beyond just making like a movie about this character, which is, you know, that's great. Uh, I, I feel like it feels like a homogenized version of that as opposed to one that's really kind of hitting that hitting those points high. At the same time, Jim, I respect your opinion. I respect the fact that your daughter loved this movie. Like, that's great. And I'm sure there's many, yeah. many other, many other, you know, many other women out there that certainly did, you know, love the movie for that exact reason. Um, I, I'm saying I, I'm not necessarily seeing it, even obviously knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm a guy talking about Captain Marvel. Yeah, it's four, not, right now it's four I, dudes talking about Captain I, Marvel. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> but I'm not... It, I, I'm just not quite seeing beyond the fact that it's doing this thing. I'm not seeing if it, how it's. I, I wait to see what impact it has. Where I where if I want to go if now to compare it to something if I want to go back to something like like Black Panther, I do think that movie not only you know was a competent superhero film but actually did something for Black culture, uh, for both for both African American culture and 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 uh, african culture and you know black culture around the world i i think it kind of incorporated things it made it made good use of its entire supporting cast for one thing as well and it had the, it had things to kind of say about you know the reality that black people face where i'm i'm not sure if this movie not that it has to but it feels like it's trying to kinda as opposed to either really trying to lay down that message or just putting it out there as part of a like as far as a yeah this this is here but you know the movie you know what I mean? Does that make any sense? I know what you're trying to say. I, I feel like they're just like, no, we're talking about a lady. We can talk about these things. But not, they didn't earn any of the moments that Black Panther did. But here's another thought. What if they played Shania Twain's man, I feel like a woman, instead of just a girl? I think that would have been a little bit good. I think that could have worked for me. <laughs> man. Has another movie really done that? So it's, not, to... it's not the on-the-nose thing. It's the, the choice of, of song. Well, no. Yeah. It's like, girl... She's a grown ass woman. You can't say girl. No, yes, it's a hundred percent the song thing. This is bad. This is all bad. I'm just trying to find funny. Um, it was I don't know. Like the come as you are, I'm like, oh yeah, that's real on the nose, guys. And then it was just a girl. I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Ugh. The What a Man song drop early was pretty good. I mean I didn't mind waterfalls while they were. Oh, actually that I too. will say I think the the uh I'm not going to say where it is, but the use of the whole uh, Courtney Love, that's a pretty good... Yeah, that was wonderful. That yeah. was great. I was all about it. But how about this? Wearing a Nine Inch Nails shirt most of the movie. Never played a Nine Inch Nails song. What's up with that? Heard. They're too family-friendly. Heard's in it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I read Heard, that in yeah. some review where, like, I mean, it's funny because I can't necessarily expect the people who made this movie to be rock experts, but... The, they should. Yeah. Well, it's like... No, 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 no. Fury says something like, oh, uh, grunge is a good look for you. And it's like, uh, Nine Inch Nails is not grunge. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, like, it's the same period, but it's, that's not grunge at all. But all that's right. Industrial whatever. metal. You know, so it's just weird. Well, she was wearing like flannel and like, you know. I yeah, know. yeah, I know. But, it's but nice... honestly, would, would Fury know the difference? Right. It's true. I don't. Yeah. Fury knows a lot of things, Alan. <laughs> I guess that's true. That's true. Wait, can we get into uh, Moose? Goose? Goose, sorry. I don't know why I said Moose. Yes. <laughs> Who were originally named Chewie, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. Originally but, uh, Star Wars, Chewie. Yeah, but, but, because, but since Star Wars is not popular and not a thing anymore, we change it, <laughs> we change it to the well-known Top Gun that all the young kids really know about. Sure. Um, but I, no, it, it obviously fits for the movie. It's Goose. It's, it's like the, she's so, an Air Force pilot. So, yeah. so like, uh, I know, Aaron, you have... You you are a cat owner. I am a cat owner. I was a cat owner. Yes. Are other people here also cat owners? I don't. I have, I have two cats. I okay. owned one once. 
Well, I mean, I got to say, like, I thought, you know, I've heard the cat's real name is Reggie. Um, Reggie was the main cat. There was a CG cat, a, a puppet, and there were back, and there were also other cats. But stunt cats. I gotta say, man, stunt. I gotta say, they did it for for the fact that you can't really you can't really wrangle cats the way you can like dogs. I think they did a pretty good job. Like I thought, like that was a good, I good cat. That was a good cat. That was a good. Yeah, it was yeah, good. Well, it's also a hundred percent Sam Jackson doing amazing at you know petting the cats. <laughs> oh, true, true. But like when the cat. When when um when 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 he's yeah when he's with the cat and like I think he goes to look at the the collar and the cat uh uses the paw to like please stop touching me like it yeah. like cat I was like oh it's a nice moment you know like uh, yeah I thought they did a pretty good job again that's Sam Jackson that's his that, charisma. Sam Jackson he, did everything he, his chemistry yeah. with everybody is terrific well, that's so, true like, um, <laughs> and I, the, yeah, you can like you can CG three, a yeah. cat paw I mean but... well that's true <laughs> cat <laughs> Sam Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn scenes are great. All of them are great. I heard that I heard that Brie Larson is actually allergic to cats. So like she, a lot of the time she's with Goose. That's like a puppet cat or something. Like um, that's the. But but either way, but I thought yeah, I really like the. Again, I don't know too much about. It's a flurkin, right? That's what they call it. Yeah. So it's not really a cat. It's like an alien like type thing. Um, but but yeah, yeah, I thought that was you know pretty pretty great. Like as a cat owner, I was just like, yes, like you know. I'd, so. I'd say the the visual effects in general and the makeup effects, I guess, for the scroll stuff, I think is pretty mm-hmm. you know, pretty solid. I really, I yeah. mean, we we talk about the opening twenty minutes or what have you, but at the the um, there's like this imagery at the very very beginning of like the like sand and stuff exploding in slow motion. I thought that looked really cool. Like I was like, I that's the the one aspect yeah, of the mystery cool. I wanted yeah. to see happen is like where does this take place because that's a really that's you know that's that's evocative imagery that's something I can look at and be like oh I don't know what this is but I like it yeah I would agree mm-hmm. it's got like real slow mo stuff going on it's like that's neat I, I want to know more about this I have a question for you guys for Alan and Jim I guess particularly what are oh, okay. Cree how do Cree work like you got <laughs> like Jude Law is just like a white dude of green eyes I guess and like some of them are blue. You got the accusers. I get how that is. What what is mm-hmm. a Cree? Is that an actual race or is it like collection yeah. of folk? I mean, it's they're an empire. It's they're like an empire. Yeah. yeah, they uh, well, they started. Well, I mean, originally in the sixties, they were like the benevolent uh, race, and uh, the whole uh, impetus of the origin of the original Captain Marvel on the Marvel side was because we were starting to go into space, and they wanted to keep an eye on us. Uh, so they were like the the proud, you know, almost Aryan race back in that day. But yeah, some are blue, some are some are Caucasian. I mean, you know, so okay. there's diversity other places, other planets in the galaxy. I guess uh, okay, I guess that's how I have to look at it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> jeez, I, <laughs> that that makes some sense to me. I guess okay, so I just kept wondering. It's like okay, so we're some are they all bleed green? That's that's the key. Yeah. And I guess Carol is ha- is part Cree because they just like infused her with Cree blood. Is that what we're going with? Yeah, I think they in did the that. Movie, to... Yes. Yeah, in the movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's my Cree question. Okay. Um, what, what else? Um, any other thoughts on it? Can we talk about Stanley? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the opening, um, like Marvel logo credit sequence thing. Yeah, I that was, was that was cool. That was that was wonderful. I thought the cameo later. I did not like that. I can't even think of what yeah, it was. The cameo it was in the train, and he was reading the Mallrats. But I, I heard Kevin Smith was very happy about that. 
Well, why, why wouldn't it be? <laughs> well, good for good for Kevin Smith. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure he probably cried. Am I right about that? Yeah, he supposedly cried. Yeah. There you go. Okay, of course, so of course okay. he did. <laughs> I just, I wasn't. I don't know. I feel like it could I didn't, okay. So if we want to talk about the '90s stuff a little bit, I can see. Like, I don't disagree that there's a lot of it. At the same time, I think of it as it's a comic book movie, and to yeah. me, if you were drawing this in frames, that's what you would draw. You would draw things that like just symbolize the '90s a lot in these these times you really emphasize the joke um i does it play well in a movie kind of like i like seeing alta vista come up that made me laugh because that was funny i didn't mind but that. but like yeah they they do hit you over the head i didn't i didn't mind it nearly as much it wasn't taking me out of the movie um but i you know i i, I see what you're saying i just kept thinking well it's just like the whole universe as much as we want to talk about how like kind of grounded these marvel movies are I do think they're they're still heightened. They still exist in a heightened world where not everything needs to line up. Like I know people were pointing out um how like Mallrats came out in ninety five, so how is Stanley like reading the script for it in ninety five or is that it's like whatever. Like it's like it's a it's a heightened reality. We're not I'm everything not gonna, at the I same time at the same time, if he's reading a Mallrats if he's if we're reading about Mallrats, how does that work in the movie Mallrats where they're talking about comic book yeah. characters? That didn't but, bother me. It's just how they did it that bothered me. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, they did yeah. it. Like I was, I was fine with that. I just felt that the, I don't know. It's a difference to me between like when you watch a movie that is in a certain time period and you feel like it's dress up versus you feel like, wow, they really understand. Like, cause I mean, to be fair, like uh, universal did a comic book movie and I know it's not on the same level. Go on. But Scott Pilgrim, mm. like that movie nails like late nineties. early. Yeah, that's true. Like, I love I love Scott Pilgrim, by the way. Yeah, I mean, like, well, I, you have a you have a much you know you have a director that's visually inclined to understand these things and work closely with the writer of the comic like, with Brian Lee O'Malley. Like, there's there's right. degrees there I can see, and and that's I get what you're saying. Yes, I mean, the makeup of that world is highly dependent on understanding the kind of the material that's being being worked with, right. referenced, and homaged, and what have you. Where this movie is, you know, it's 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 pasting on. This is the L.A. '90s. Marvel movie, you know, <laughs> like it's, I get it. I hear what you're saying. But I mean, then again, of course, look, I don't, I, I think the, the blockbuster gag is great. I, I mean, yeah, it's great. Like it, the, like the, that's where she lands is fantastic. And, and even though it's a little, a little obvious, I do like her being on the web. Like she's in like in a coffee shop or whatever. And it's like, she's trying to look, yeah, it's funny. Like I, it's an easy gag, but yeah, I liked it, you know, like, so, eh. Any other thoughts on uh, Captain Marvel before I kind of move on? I think we've well, can I ask, do you guys think is, okay, well, actually one question I would like to ask, oh wait, did we all watch through the credits? Yes, yeah. we're all familiar yeah, with how movies yeah. work. Yes, go okay. on. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, know, I, I know you say that, but yes, I mean, at the, I, I saw this with Anna at a preview screening and like a good third of the audience left after the first like credit bumper thing so it's, it's like all right insane to me insane yeah. to me here's my, so here's my question it, it is insane to me that you're 22 movies in you're like what there's another thing like, <laughs> <laughs> well like here's my thing do you guys think that because i know some of my friends were like some of my friends i don't I, I shouldn't say some one i had one particular friend who was like well she wasn't that excited about um after infinity war Ant-Man and the Wasp came out and she was like, oh, it was fine. She's like, but it doesn't really take place. She's like, it's kind of right before Infinity War. So it's like, she's like, but this movie, Captain Marvel, she's like, it's, you really have to see this before Endgame. 
And now that I've seen it, I'm like, eh. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, there's one scene. I'm like, you know, I mean, I'm, like, do you think it's imperative that you see this before Endgame? Like, I think, I think what the Avengers films have done well is working as movies independent of the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where you don't necessarily need to see them to see the Avengers movies because they are their own series. They happen to connect to a bunch of things, and obviously there's a lot of context and things that you can fill in by seeing the other movies. But my dad, I think I talked about this before, and he saw Dad's Movie Corner. He liked Captain Marvel. He saw it. He had a lot of fun. Um, but he, he before Avengers Infinity War... He's been growing pretty sick of superhero movies in general. He's pretty, he's pretty like okay on them. Like he's like, I'll see this one, but I don't care about this one. So going into Infinity War, he had not seen a good chunk of Phase Three or Phase Two. He's seen a handful, and he's liked some of them more than others. But he's like, I dug that a lot. He really liked Infinity War. He knew he didn't have to. He didn't have any questions following along with it. He was just into where that would go. Um, in answering your question to Endgame. Is it imperative that you need to see Captain Marvel in order to understand how Endgame works? Obviously, I don't know that entirely yet because we haven't seen yeah. it. But I would I would wager to guess you could probably walk into it having just seen Infinity War and the other Avengers movies and be like, all right, I see what's going on here. I understand the plot. I understand the necessary needs. But presumably, Carol Danvers is going to play a significant role in Endgame. And so knowing who this character is as opposed to just knowing there's a symbol at the end of a beeper on some other movie one's going to outweigh the other as far as that importance, right? Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. I I guess I felt like, I guess I was hoping that, and I figured it would be the Easter egg, but I was hoping that the bonus scene would explain a little more, and it doesn't. It is pretty much just like... Okay, what's there? I, I just, without going, there's not much to explain to beyond, I need to reach this person, and maybe this person will come. Like that's that's the well, okay, there's nothing to really there's no gap to fill in at that point. Well, but, and even, but there's a there's like a twenty year gap. Like why she hasn't aged at all? Like, well, that, I mean, like look at her hair; it grew longer. <laughs> she changed. But I mean, she, Peter, I that, Peter was, that's clearly you that's, want glasses. Peter, two two things. One, you got to make Captain Marvel sequels, so presumably some of them could take place within that span of time or something, you know, because right. she's presumably had a lot of adventures in between these movies. But also. That's what Endgame is supposed to do. Like that, the Endgame will fill in whatever gap that you need or what have you. Like it, I don't know. Yes, I mean, yeah. I mean, the the universe is out there for a reason to kind of fill in more of this stuff as you may need it. I mean, we didn't know about Captain Marvel at all last year. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> true. Oh, by the way, as a side note, before we move on, I gotta say, um, I only saw Infinity War at the screening last year, and I find after watching Captain Marvel. I was like, ah, you know, Endgame's coming up, so I'm going to put on Infinity War. And uh, one, I really, I, I really enjoyed it. It's <laughs> solid. It's I was good. like, man, it's yeah, really it good, man. I was like, I really like this movie. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. I, I, I was quite impressed with how they, set, and I think I told you, said this to Aaron before. I was impressed with how, in a weird way, Infinity War is almost like Captain Marvel and Thor. It is almost an origin story, but it's an origin story about the villain. It's oh, a, yeah, the Fan Thanos is the lead character of that the movie. Lead character <laughs> of the movie, and I I really like that. I I think that's pretty effective. But it's, anyways, a, cle it's a clever approach for a movie that has to like combine all of these people and give them something that's worth having all of them fight against. You need to have, you know, right. a movie that you know really makes sure you right. understand that. Which is also again, if you want to bring it out to Captain Marvel, why you need this movie to come before Endgame because again. 
whether or not you need to you know see this movie to understand how Endgame works, having context for this person beyond super powerful character just shows up and you know saves the day for everybody. That's kind of a cheat. So like at least at least you have one movie to show you. Oh, this is this person. This is what they're about and what have you. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Like if you don't want to see it, fine, don't see it. But at the same time, it's like the options there. <laughs> you know, in in addition to getting this movie that has you know a lot of commendable things about it, you get to you know have some context for who this person is, as opposed to just random beeper symbol. True. 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 So yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think we have we now. Good. Anybody else have any late breaking questions about Captain Marvel before we move on? No. When should people go and see this movie, Jim? Let's start with you. When? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. If you're a fan of the Marvel movies, I'd say see it in the theater. I mean. It's uh, probably, you know, maybe a week after premiere, so it's not as crowded. But uh, if you're just, like you said, someone who just watches the uh, main Avengers movies or whatever, you could probably wait till it's on video on demand or whatever. So. Alan, how about you? Uh, go now, because I want them to make more female-driven Marvel movies. Yeah, agreed. Go as many times as you want. I want a Black Widow movie. I want everything. I would, I would you know, just give me a Susan Storm movie by itself. That'd be great. Give me something. Fantastic I just, one. you know, it, it, yeah, just one of them. I don't need a lot. Just the one. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, no. I, Peter, I think you should see yeah. it now. Yes. Okay. Peter, would, how about you? Oh, no, I would say, yeah, yeah. See it in theaters. One, because Endgame is, ha- is happening in seven weeks or whatever. But the oh, other, God. just, just that, I mean, just that, I mean, it's, it's, you know, the fun part, a lot of this stuff with Marvel movies it, is that, is the moment that it comes out. So, I mean, you, it's just fun. You, whether you like it or not, it's fun to be in the conversation to be able to talk about it. So uh, yeah, I would say go see it now. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, the, the, these Marvel movies, they come along and most of them are at least fun to some degree. So yeah, I, I, I would recommend it for that reason. Um, I, it does, it does kind of land a little lower than others, but I still think, yeah, it's, it's a fine entry into this universe and yeah, it gets you ready for end game. Um, regardless of how essential it is or not, which is not a question I necessarily felt I need to uh, field, but there you go. Um, all right. Well, cool. We've talked plenty about Captain Marvel. Let's move on now. Let's get to, uh, let's get to, what time is it? I think it's a time for, uh, time for a game here. Ooh. That's the sweet, sweet sound from the gods. I love it. <laughs> Sound like Goose the Cat jumped on a xylophone. Well, funny you should mention Goose the Cat because that was the theme for this week's game, which is called Cat Got Your Tongue. Oh, God. I am going to describe a cat from a movie, and you have to name either the movie or the cat. Okay. Okay? No, no real bonus points, but bonus points if you get the name of the cat. Some of these are a little tougher than others. Uh, but okay, if you feel you know the answer, yell your name, and then the answer. Got it? Sure. Sure. All right. Here's the first one. A cursed black cat who can also talk helps save the town. Alan. The... Yeah. Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Do you know the name of the cat? Is it Salem? It, it's Binks. Oh, fuck. So, no. Salem is from so, Sabrina the Teenage yeah, Witch, of course. Sabrina's a teenager. Like, I don't know. I know the movie. Here's the next one. Mm-hmm. This orange fur cat becomes a bit of a problem when it hides on a large ship with another creature. Afoot. Jim. Jim. Alien. The cat's name is Jonesy. There you go. My Woo! cat is named after that cat, so pretty Good easy. Good job. Nice. Okay. They would have been, you would have been mad if you got that wrong. <laughs> I would. I would have been very mad. I'm like, wrong. Here's the next one. <laughs> a, a tabby kitten who is taken away from a man in need of comfort as he and his friends seek to rescue the kitten. It becomes a little gangster. Oh, um, uh, Jim. Peter. Uh, Jim? 
It's oh god, it's the Key and Peele movie. What's the name of the cat? I can't remember. Uh, really? Wow. Uh, <laughs> Peter. I'm Can sorry. I go? Peter. Keanu. Keanu from Keanu. Keanu. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, oh. you're on the board. <laughs> Here's the next one. This cat parody character used to have plenty of fur, only to change after a defreezing process. Uh, um, Alan. Oh, Alan, um, who remembered his name. Uh, it's Austin Powers. Uh, Full Mr. title. Uh, Austin Powers, um, The Spider Shagged Me, uh, Mr. Snugglesworth, or Austin Powers, Interna- International Mas- uh, Man of Mystery, uh, Mr. S- Mr. Uh, but is it Snugglesworth? Snug- no, it's, it's not. The, okay, fine. It's the movie, right? I mean, you named Spyro Shabby first, which is confusing, because it's in the yeah. first movie. <laughs> because I was thinking about it. Yeah, I just said that. Does whatever. anyone know okay. the name? I'll give you the point. Does anyone know the name of the of the cat? Is it Gigglesworth? Oh, is it Buttersworth? You're you're all... It's No, it's Mr. Bigglesworth. Bigglesworth! Oh, I, this, I didn't expect so much dancing around Bigglesworth, <laughs> but I like that there are two options involving Iggles <laughs> before we got to Biggles. So we all get the extra point? Thanks, Sam. Appreciate yeah. it. Here's the next one. This finicky cat is a lover of a very specific cat food, which certainly irritates its messy owner struggling with his own case. Alan. Alan? Garfield. Incorrect. Fuck. Lasagna can be messy. Oh, uh, no, no, that's not right either. Jim, this should be your question. <laughs> I was going to say it's um, um, Blade Runner. Incorrect. Or not, or not Blade Runner, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Incorrect. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. It's Give the me. long goodbye. Oh, Morris. Well, to, be, the cat. To, be, to be fair, uh, Bateau does have a cat in Ghost in the Shell. I'm aware, but he's like, like he, re- Elliot Gould puts the other cat food in right. an old cat food can to try to trick him, and he knows it's not the right cat food. <laughs> uh, I'm mad at myself for not getting that. I know that seemed like that was seemed like a point for you. Here's the next one. This old Himalayan cat has been well trained to do everything, including flush a toilet. Alan. Alan. Meet the parents, Mr. Jinx. You got the name, Mr. Jinx. Yes. Yeah. Here's the next one. This gray cat was once thought to be gone, only to come back in dramatic fashion. Alan. Alan? Pet Cemetery? Pet Cemetery yeah, is correct. You know the name of that cat? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's a church. Mm, cool. Wait, I thought it's Gage. Or oh, is Gage the kid? Gage is the yeah, kid. Gage was the kid. Oh, Gage yeah. was the kid. Okay, sorry. Yeah, we'll we'll see him not get run over in the remake. I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like how like the I, I, there's like a recognition when you see that trailer in theaters of people that like know what movie it is, know what could happen, and then realize maybe it's not going to happen this way. <laughs> like there's just a, there's some stages going on in these trailers. Um, anyway, next one: a Persian cat who learns to get along with this adopted member of the family. Uh Peter. Peter? Oh, God, is it nine? It's the Kevin Spacey one. I want to say nine. Oh. It's not the Kevin Spacey one. Wait, what? That's not... I feel like that's the poster. Is a Persian cat. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it, you know, there is only one Persian cat in existence that was in movies, so... Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> a Persian cat who learns to get along with this adopted member of the family. It's a very small member of the family. Here's a bonus clue. The movie was co-written by M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, Peter. Yeah? Uh, Stuart Little. It, it is Stuart Little. Oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, yeah. I don't remember the cat's name, though. But when... I like that you know that piece of trivia. <laughs> yeah. Here's the next one. Two more. Another Ooh. Himalayan cat with the voice and attitude to match her name when dealing with her dog friends. Uh, Jim, Secret Life of Pets? 
Incorrect. Ah. Oh. Say it again. A Himalayan cat with a voice and attitude to match her name when dealing with her dog friends. Oh, I guess Alan. Yeah. Is it Homeward Bound? It is Homeward Bound. Boom. Full title. The Incredible Journey? It is the <laughs> Sassy is the name of the cat. Oh, Sassy. Sassy. Sally Field is Sassy. Here's the last one. This orange tabby becomes a major focal point for a struggling singer. Alan. Alan? Uh, is it Inside Llewellyn Davis? It is Inside Llewellyn oh, Davis. Oh, damn it! Oh. I figured you guys would be waiting for that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Ulysses was... is the name of the cat, which is highly ironic. <laughs> I won. I won. Yeah? This, okay, go this, ahead. This cat who lives in a morgue has the fate of the universe around his neck. Oh, yeah. Orion. Cat... That's oh, right, Orion. Okay. I was waiting for that How one. did I not think of that one? That's weird. That's weird. Uh, well... Uh, Peter, you, uh, nope, never mind. You came in second place. Jim, you're in third place. Alan, you are the winner this week. Uh, you were in first place in this week's game. Oh, thanks. That's great. The cat did not have your tongue. No, no. Let right. me go. Well, good job. That's how you Thank play you. games. Let's, uh, let's move on okay. now. Let's get to some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you. Uh, this is where we ask. my job, this... man. If he's not here, that's what I got to do. <laughs> this is where we go over a number of questions. This is where we go over a number of questions and answers on the Facebook page, Facebook.com. We asked a number of questions to the listeners. They gave us answers, and then they gave us us, us some questions that we can answer. For And uh, Al and Peter, Jim, feel free to throw in your answers as well. First question we have here, favorite female superheroes. Dennis has Shadowcat, She-Hulk, and Rogue. Chris has Black Widow. Christopher has Storm. Philip has Nausicaa from Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Mike has Xena, Warrior Princess. And Justin has Wonder Woman. Where's mine? I put mine in there. I was I was going to ask you. What, what okay. was the one you put on there, Jim? Uh, the Bowler from Mystery Man. <laughs> no, uh, that's funny. I love Mystery I, Man. Um, <laughs> I am going with um, Manhunter. She was a, a DC character, and she was great because she was like a oh, yeah. DA totally. during the day and a vigilante at night, and she beat dudes up with the bow staff, and it was great. I had a great time. Yeah. I, I would go with either – I think when I started reading comic books in high school, it was Kitty – Kitty Pride from the X-Men, but I would actually probably go with Rogue. She's more powerful. But either way, they're both mutants. I always thought Storm was a cool character that just hasn't gotten her due as far as a cinematic version goes. Like, it, it controlled the weather, but then just from the comic standpoint, there's a lot of backstory there that I think is yeah. fascinating. Like, it just, it's like, why aren't we cashing in on this? This this would be so easy. The whole duel when she took over the uh, leadership of the Morlocks. Uh, her relationship well, with T'Challa. Like, yeah, I was gonna say the whole back backstories are in T'Challa. Yeah, there's like a lot to do, and like the her status as like not being a leader for you know reasons. Like there's there's a lot of stuff there. But all right. Wait, Storm knows T'Challa. I they didn't were know. married. They're married. They were married. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah they were married. Too. Oh, T'Challa's backstory is insane, and the movie could only touch on part of it just based on rights because there's so much stuff that he does with the Fantastic Four and the X Men. It's wild. Huh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. T'Challa has some stuff like, to do. <laughs> That's why when they introduced him in Civil War, I was, so, I was like, yeah, this guy's just confident for days. Like, look at this. Like, that's all has... <laughs> of course he is. I know what he's up to. Like, next question we have here. Best Samuel L. Jackson hairstyle. Scott writes Unbreakable for the Frederick Douglass hair. Uh, Renee has Jackie Brown uh, for, like, he's got the, he's got, like, the smooth, long hair and the the little thing on the, the braided goatee. Uh, Justin has Pulp Fiction with the Jerry Curl. Chris, Iconic. Yeah, Pul- 
Yep. Chris has yeah, Pulp Fiction. And Mike has any of them because he's Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> Deep Blue Sea. The the salt and pepper hair he had. That's a good one. Oh, he's yeah, he's yeah. rocking with salt yeah. and pepper. Not like not jumper with white hair? You know what? Honestly, anything. Anything. He's getting anything. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go I, with the Jerry Curl jewels. It's pretty pretty too. iconic. He was the only I'm person I could have pulled it off. Like in jungle fever, but I don't remember. He's got like it's like a little bit of hair. Like it's yeah. So the uh, Goodfellas one with his real hair. Like, Goodfellas is real hair. Mal- um, Die Hard of Vengeance is his Malcolm X look. Like they make him that's look a good one. Like that's Malcolm, a good like one. Because he, he has like slightly reddish hair in that movie. Yeah. Um. Oh, I just had one. Oh, uh, Black Snake Moan. He's got like. Mm. Oh yeah, that crazy yeah. white white sidewalls. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next question we have here: Best movie cats. Mike writes Jonesy. Uh, Jerry has Why the Cat and Alien, of course, which is Jonesy. Nguyen writes uh, Baron Humbert. Uh, Jim, I, you, you got a lot of here. I can read yours. It says, uh, my cat's name is Mookie Jones, mostly because I can call her Jonesy, like the cat and alien, but someone already picked that, so I'll just go with either Orion from MIB or Natasha Kinski from Cat People. Um, Scott, you have ta- Scott has Tonto from Harry and Tonto, Blowfield, the cat from James Bond, the Blowfield cat from James Bond. Josh has Cat from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Jason has Church from Pet Cemetery. Chris has Rufus from Reanimator or Church from Pet Cemetery. Philip has Gigi from Kiki's Delivery Service. Jeffrey has Do Big Cats Count? If so, The Tiger and Manhunter. Such oh, an amazing yeah. blend of tension and poignancy in that scene. Also, since I mentioned the movie on another post recently, it's on my mind, Marla's Cat in Long Goodbye. Uh, Luke writes... Luke Thompson, friend of the show, writes, I'm not particularly fond, a fan of this movie, but there needs to be a shout-out for The Beast in Brotherhood of the Wolf. Ooh, uh, okay. Christopher has Piwacket from Bell, Book, and Candle, and Miss Kitty from Batman Returns. And Justin has Mittens in Bolt. What about Tiger from American... American... Uh, American... Uh, the Five movie. American... Sorry? American Tale. Oh, American, American Tale. Tale. Yeah. Tommy Louise, yeah. man. Yeah. Can we say the cat bus from My Neighbor Totoro? Does that count? Sure. All right, there you go. I'm, I'm going to say Bagheera. Does Simba count? Yeah. Okay. Sweet. It's a lion. Yeah. Sweet. The MGM that... lion, does that count too? <laughs> Leo? Leo the lion? Yeah. O'Malley from the Aristocats. Tigger? Cheshire cat? There's a lot of that kind of cats, man. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Cowardly um, Lion. Done. We're done. That's you. it. Next question we have. By way of special effects or makeup, what performers have most convincingly been made to look older or younger in film? Justin has Benjamin Button, because as yep. we know, as, as he was, as they was getting older, he was getting younger. <laughs> um, Mike has Tyler Perry as Medea. Uh, Jeffrey has Meryl Streep as the rabbi angels in America. Scott has Cicely Tyson in the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman and Dustin Hoffman's aging in Little Big Man. And Chris has Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour, freaking amazing, and the other female horror Oscar snub Tilda Swinton in Suspiria, older and different gender. True. Mm-hmm. What about Marlon Brando in Godfather? Does that count? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's he is kind of he's, he's certainly given an effect. I mean, he's got the yeah, you know, the, he cheeks, likes, the yeah. jowls and whatnot yeah. being made. Down. Or you know, Pacino in Godfather Part Three. No, oh, by the very end, yeah. yeah, they aged him up a bit. And that looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you know, Emilio Estevez in Young Guns too. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. There it is. All right. Uh, let's see. What bands define the 90s for you? 
Jerry has Oasis and All the Grunge, topped by Nirvana, Foo Fighters. I have a secret passion for the British rave bands and music as well. Justin has Nirvana and Pearl Jam for sure, Temple of the Dog, Soundgarden, Bush, Oasis, Mighty Mighty Boss Stones, Alanis Morissette, Blink-182, NoFX, Smashing Pumpkins, Jane's Addiction, Great Green Day, Bad Religion, Hole, Screeching Weasel, No Doubt, Cake, Nas, The Far Side, Onyx, Naughty by Nature, DMX, the list goes on and on. I listened to a lot of music in the 90s and went to just about every concert here in Vegas from 94 to 97. Ah, they didn't mention mine. Renee has, I hate to say it, but the music I remember best from the 90s is the Spice Girls. Todd has Nirvana. Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Hootie, and the Blowfish. Uh, Chris has Jesus and the Mary Chain and Prodigy. Susan has Nirvana, and Rachel has R.E.M. Still hasn't mentioned mine yet. What's yours, Peter? Uh, Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys. There yeah, you go. I was going to mention the Beastie Boys. I just finished their um, their book. Their the Beastie Boys book? Oh, that book's yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. My sister got it for me for my birthday. Yeah. Well, have you belated? Oh yeah, it was back in October, so thanks. Uh, it's a big book. It's a big book. <laughs> okay, I didn't know. Um, see, I always kind of put the '90s in two different, like split the decade in half, music-wise. First half is grunge, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Beastie Boys, but then you also have like the second half, which is a lot of like a boy band push towards the end. So Backstreet Boys is everywhere, and then you have like starting to get like garbage but so i don't know or eminem eminem is like late 90s but like yeah. tupac i think would be a seminal artist sure tupac biggie are major major artists in the 90s right dr dre snoop dogg stuff like that but nirvana is the answer so okay okay it's not sublime um <sighs> <laughs> next question we have here is best mcu mentor character mike has iron man to spider-man Chris has Yondu. Christopher has the Ancient One. Robert, James, friend of the show, has Stick. And Justin has Hank Pym to Ant-Man. Wait, what is the character? Men- they, be, mess mentor character. Mine is easily Stanley Tucci in Captain America the First Avenger. I don't oh, know why sure. this didn't come up right away. That was mine. That was <laughs> yeah. mine. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, you got a mentor character from the MCU? Uh, I don't know why nothing's occurring to me right now. Because uh, yeah. Kevin Feige, that's the answer. There you go. Winner, winner. Chicken dinner. Yeah. No worries. You don't have to have one. It's all good. That's weird. Do they not have a lot of mentor characters in that? Anthony Hopkins and Thor. I mean, they got a lot of mentor characters. Oh yeah, I guess Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Every every one of these has like, I guess like Iron Man's probably the closest one that doesn't have one. Well, the the one that he got in the cave in, in the cave. Oh yeah, yeah, I get, yeah. You have yeah, okay. You have him, and you have like I guess his father to an extent, and like Iron Man two. Yeah. Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Peter Parker counts. and uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Yeah. It's kind of a mentor to Miles. I mean MCU, but yes, you're not wrong. I mean, yeah. that's, oh yeah, that's I mean, a great. Guess, and that, right. That's a great example. Yeah, Tony Stark to Spider Man and Homecoming, but yeah, it's weird. I don't really think of a lot of. Huh. Again, Stanley Tucci right away stuck out to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that, was, that, was, that was what I was going to say. Tucci. Tucci. All right. Now we get some questions here. This one's from Michael Lee, friend of the show. Is there a particular era or genre you would like an MCU film to cover that they haven't already? I mean, a musical, right, guys? That's clearly where we're headed. I would I love w- shit. I would love that. I, I want to see a movie set in the 60s, like a stylish spy movie starring a young Hank Pym and a young Janet Pym as like you know these super spies who shrink. Yeah, that'd be fun. I really want a 1960s Fantastic Four movie. 
Yeah. I mean, I was, I was going to say the same, and I would argue you could do that with um, Peyton Reed, who directed the Ant-Man movies, because that was one that was his original pitch about a Fantastic Four movie. He wants to do a 60s Fantastic Four. And I think that would fit easily with the MCU, because you wouldn't have to convolute it as far as why they're not there. It's because they're already there in the past. Right. Like, I think there's a fun way to do that. See, I was thinking they could they could have them like disappear in the '60s into the quantum realm and then come back. That too, yeah. But we, you've already done yeah. the man out of time thing with Cap, so. I don't know how they would. I don't know what character it would be, but I would be curious because a lot of I heard a lot of critics say that like the the comic book genre of the 2000s is of the 21st century is equivalent to the Western, and the question of being like is the Western era better and stuff. So actually I would be curious. I don't know what superhero it would be, but I would be curious to see a Western in, in a Marvel. In the MCU. Yeah. That, I don't know like, what it would be though. Cause but, like Logan's covered that ground now at this point as far oh, as. Oh, I guess that's true. But, and Jonah but as far as, but as far as, yeah, Jonah Hex. Well, Jonah well, Hex would be right. Yeah. That's what but, but as far as an MCU film, where would that, where would that land? What character would that land? Well, they had done uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, you can actually set it in period with like Two Gun Kid and uh, the original oh, yeah. Ghost Rider, and um, I mean, there was oh, an event. Ghost Rider would be sick. Yeah, there was actually a, a, a an Avengers um, storyline. I think it was in the seventies or early eighties where they went, where like half the team got trapped in that time period. So. Oh, we'll see what happens. Um, Jerry asks, of all the movies left out of the Oscars this year, which movie do you think deserved more accolades? I personally thought Black Forty. Seven was excellent, and Stan and Ollie. I mean, Widows. Blind spotting. Widows. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry Widows to bother you. you. First man. Yeah. I mean, first man did get some recognition. Yeah. No. No. Um, um, probably Widows that, for me. Yeah. Mine's kind of a weird one, um, and and I don't think it's a perfect movie, but considering the star, I'm surprised it didn't get any kind of love. Is uh, the Natalie Portman the Vox Lux? Oh, Vox Lux. I was a big fan oh. of Vox Lux. Yeah, and because also because it's it, it's an interesting like dark side of Stars Born type of thing. So yeah. I'm surprised that it didn't get any. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, Sisters Brothers. Sisters Brothers. Sisters I think Brothers. John, I think John C. Riley had a great year last year in general. So it's like he got nothing. I would like uh, to see more people see the uh, see the hate you give. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I, I think as far as realistic expectations, I do think that in a different world, Widows probably would have gotten something, and it just uh-huh. ended up with nothing at all. So yeah, it's like, yeah, that that does seem because like Blind Spotting, as much as I love Blind Spotting, is you know one of my favorite movies of the year. It's not one where I'm like, this is definitely going to get some Oscar praise. It's just a movie that's really fantastic and doesn't really go to that level. Widows is something that's like it's a mainstream film with a huge cast of you know Oscar winning actors. <laughs> it's like that seems like that could have been, a, and a, let alone you know Steve McQueen as a director. It's like mm-hmm. that could have. Yeah you know went further yeah but but here we are um and i mean yeah first man did get some technical nods but he got some damn good things going on there beyond just technical stuff um all right well that was feedback 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 let's move on now let's get to out now what's out now what's out now these are movies that are coming out on blu-ray dvd and streaming this week first up we have best picture winner green book out this week feel free to give a, a yay or nay to any of these as i read them but I do like Green Book. I it's not my best picture pick, but I do like the movie, so I'll say that. Um, let's see, Mortal Engines. Oh, you know what? I wanted to bring this up, Aaron. Uh, I had watched forty minutes of Mortal Engines, and I thought it was kind of meh. And you were like, "Come on, it's got a robot." And then it's got I, yeah. <laughs> I went back to it, and I was like, "Oh, I do like that character, <laughs> that robot." Like, yeah, it's okay. Like, it's not. I, 
I don't think it's great or anything. It's but... just Star Wars. <laughs> That's uh, what it is. But yeah, yeah. I, I would admit the back the back half is better than the first half. I just like how big it is. Like, it's such a weird thing to praise, but I just like how it's like, it opens with a city swallowing another city. Yeah. I haven't seen that before. Like, that's neat. (laughs) I I do. I like that. Honestly, I just, I honestly just don't feel like the leads are very compelling. No, I agree. It's a a generic movie as far as, like, acting-wise. I mean, Hugo Weaving's fun and all that, and that Shrike character, which is Stephen Lang, the robot's like, I haven't seen that before, but like, yeah, I like know, him, like yeah. a like a love robot or whatever you want to call it. Like it's a, it's driven by love, like it's weird, but like yeah, I mean, it feels like uh you know it it does it feels like Peter Jackson's second unit guy got a chance to make a movie. Like it does feel like that, yeah. and that's what it is. But at the same time, right, the, yeah. the you know Weta does their job as far as making this world come alive. So. Yeah, I mean that was one of the movies I I felt like the the script didn't live up to the production design. For sure. Yeah, you know, like the production yeah. design, and that was beautiful. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then what they did in it was just kind of, eh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of which, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. <clears throat> was that good? It's it's, a, uh, it's, it's kind of a mess. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it's surprising because it's a Harry, you know, it's in that universe where it's like, even if the ones I don't, you know, the ones I, I'm not as big as fan of. I've I've not seen a bad one of these, and this is like this is a bad one of these. This isn't good. Like it was surprising. Yeah, I, the the biggest compliment I could say is I feel like it has some nice moments, but I mean, yeah, yeah. the first the first one is definitely a a, a more solid film. Uh, fantastic, the first Fantastic piece. But when saying Johnny Depp gives one of the best performances in this movie is like Ooh. one of the only highlights you can go with. It's like yeah, that's problematic. <laughs> like that's. No yeah, he's, yeah. I think he's very good at it. Like, yeah, he is you know. good at it. I guess. Yeah, I just it's that. You know, that's kind of weird because we're just talking about Mortal Engines. I mean, you talk about something like Fantastic Beasts, which has so much money. I'm assuming behind it, they got pretty good, um, like sets, like the art direction and stuff. It's pretty good, but yeah, he I just got nominated for production design, like for good reason. Well, it's weird because as a person who, and it is a whole other conversation we get into, but as a person who has. Quality that like I like things about the Star Wars prequels it's weird that I don't really like these two movies because like I do like the prequels and I I understand the problems that people have with the Star Wars prequels and the acting and things like that but I still enjoy them you know not as messy I don't feel like a mess like this movie. Yeah, like this, I'm just like, eh. I was like, I don't really care about this universe. I'm like, I don't know why. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um, Piercing, which I believe is a horror film, um, that's out this week. Um, Let's see, on TV, you got The Last Ship, Season 5, which I think is the final season for all you Blast Shippers out there. Um, Specialty releases, we got The Kid Brother, which is a Chaplin film, and The Magic Flute, which is a Bergman film on Criterion this week. Put those hands together. Um, You forgot one of the most important releases of the year, my friend. Which one? Neil Breen's Twisted Pair. Which okay. On DVD this week. All right. For all the Breeners. On Shout Factory, you have Someone to Watch Over Me, which is an 80s really Scott film that I literally forgot about until it was announced on, on Shout Factory. <laughs> um, and um, Man's Best Friend. So, yeah, those are on Shout. Uh, streaming this week, we have uh, Triple Frontier um, with uh, Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac and Garrett Hedlund and a bunch of people. And it's, um, what's his name? Um, oh, God. He did a most violent year, which is a movie I absolutely enjoy. Um, 
J.C. Chander. J.C. Chander. It's his new movie, which I'm like, okay, he did an action movie on Netflix. That's something. It looks like uh, trash, and I can't wait to watch it. I know. It does look like just like it's a bunch of gruff guys doing action stuff. But at it, the same time, I like J.C. Chander. So I'm like, sure, why not? Let's see what happens here. I like Oscar. He's got Oscar Isaac back. Why not? <laughs> he's got Batman. When, when, you know, he's going to do his sure. Um, Let's see. Juanita, which is a film with Alfre Woodard that's on uh, Netflix now. Uh, and Afterlife, which is... Um, the new Ricky Gervais series uh, that's uh, you know up on Netflix as well. I started this. I I am enjoying it so far. It's less about what I thought it was going to be than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, like because I mean the idea is like he's a widower, but when he first announced it, he was going to be like he, he Gervais announced it's like I'm making a show about how I'm an atheist, and so far it's not really emphasizing that at all. So I'm like okay, like it's that's that's nice. Like he's not like. Continuing it to rub it in your face by, you know, making wait an entire minute, show solely about this. Ricky Gervais is an atheist? I know. You've never known that until just now. Never had any inklings. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, yeah, no, so far it's just, uh, it feels like a pretty standard Ricky Gervais show as far as if you like him and his style of humor, it's more of that. But it feels like it's without the kind of heavy-handed, let me tell you how much of an atheist I am type of thing compared to him initially announcing it. So, okay. um, on Prime, you have Maru which is from the directors of Free Solo, uh, which is another uh, complicated climbing movie uh, documentary. Um, uh, so that's on Prime now if you want to check out what the Oscar-winning directors of Free Solo had to do before that. Uh, next week's show, I'm not quite sure yet. I think we're going to talk about Captive State. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but for now, last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Alan Aguilera, what should people see yeah. in theaters right now? I think people should go see, I think, Captain Marvel, because I don't know what else to go see right now. Uh, the next thing I want to go see is probably Us. All right. Yeah, because that comes out at the end of this month, right? Yeah, I believe. 22nd, yeah. Yeah, that's close. Yeah. Jim Dietz, what should people go and see right now? I would recommend going to see Captain Marvel. I would recommend the new season of American Gods that just started tonight as we record mm. this. And uh, Alita Battle Angel, if it's still on a big screen in your area, go see that. Peter Paris. Uh, oh, sorry, Jim, what do you see next? Sorry. Hold oh, on. sorry. What do you see oh, next? what am I seeing next? Either uh, Apollo 11 uh, or Us. All right. Peter? I can't wait to see Us. Absolutely. Um, as far as, I guess, if you live in a city, a big city, and you like some kind of indie stuff, even though I don't think it's perfect, I was quite entertained by, uh, what's his name? Is it Gaspar No? Uh, yeah. His movie Climax. I thought I thought it was it's an interesting. I thought the, the dance scene in the in the first half is incredible. Um, and then if you know his movies, you kind of know where the rest of the ninety minutes go. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. Again, totally not for everybody. But if you're into that kind of thing, I would say check it out. We see you next. Oh, I I mean I'm, I'll have to see when the screenings are, but I'm assuming Us is coming pretty soon. All right. Uh, yeah, I would say Apollo 11, certainly worth your time. That's a oh, great documentary. Right. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Um, uh, and uh, How to Train Your Dragon still out there. I think it's quite strong. Elite Battle Angels, a lot of fun. And Fighting With My Family. I think it's a solid movie. Oh, and, I like uh, that. I like yeah. that, too. I agree. I did like Fighting With My Family. Yeah. Next, I am seeing Captive State. Uh, that's that's what's coming up. Uh, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now, Theron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews there, as well as on Lead of Entertainment, where I'm writing about The Walking Dead weekly. And you can find me on Twitter, at Aaron's PS4. Let's go down the line. Alan Aguilera, where can people find more of you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram, 
Uh, or you know what? Uh, Aldo Rain, A-L-D-O-R-A-Y-N-E. Or you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Aldo Rain, M-R-A-L-D-O-R-A-Y-N-E. Woo! Jim Dietz, where we will find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Yoda Jones, uh, on Instagram at Yoda Jones 66, and uh, weekly D&D podcast at allmagicgaming.com and weekly Walking Dead podcast and Nothing's On podcast at taylornetworkpodcast.com and the hhwlod.com podcast network, respectively. All right. Peter Paris, where are you? Uh, Instagram and Twitter at Pajamo, like pajamas, but with an O. Okay. Uh, thank you, Jim, Peter, and Alan for joining me this evening. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks for you. Thanks for having me. For sure. Glad to have you guys all on here talking Captain Marvel and more. Mm-hmm. And until next week, when ideally Abe is back to <laughs> go over the alien invasion with us, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until then, so long and goodbye. Oh, make me over. I don't remember my life. Anything before six years ago. I feel like I've been here before. Oh, is that a cat? I, I've only seen the trailer once. I don't remember the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'm just a girl. Just a little old me. Uh, um, okay, cool. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I usually have some help from one of you. So. No, I wanted to let you keep going. It was just okay, wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm just I'm Jude figured you would edit it in. I'm Jude Law, and I look very handsome, but if you read anything from the UK tabloids, I'm a dirtbag. So you shouldn't expect, you should not know that the spoiler's going to get crazy. Then what else? Oh, I'm Ben Mendelsohn, and I'm the best actor of this generation, but nobody knows my name because I'm always a bad guy. Okay, cool. I'm Brie Larson, and I want an Oscar, and they put me in this movie because I'm going to sell tickets, and I'm going to be fierce. Yeah. I'm Annette Benning. Do you remember me? I'm with Warren Beatty. How you doing? I'm, I like money. That's why I'm in this. <laughs> I think we might get a, get a Peter in here for the review. Okay, cool. He missed my entire intro. Yeah. We're, we're done, man. We could wrap. We're done. <laughs>